What up, my tribe? It's Wednesday. We ready to vibe and rant. Tonight's guest probably needs no introduction to many of you out there that are part of our Telefam, but still very excited to be able to feature Michelle of Michelle's Healing Home. Half of the dynamic duo of Mario and Michelle. Mario, you guys have got to know. Symbolic studies on YouTube. So these two are here to talk about Michelle's work with herbalism and healing herbs in general. Creating your own medicines right out of your garden. Refining and distilling them into tinctures and tonics and topicals of all types. It's going to be a really interesting conversation. I know I'm stoked to learn a lot. Michelle and Mario actually just sent me a care package and they've been shooting them out to all kinds of spider friends. I received mugwort. Very powerful. That's going to be a big part of the conversation as per the title. Got myself some nice salt soap. I'm not sure what all's in that, but Michelle can talk about it. It was very cleansing to the body and aura. Also a nice willow bark Tincture, tonic, uh, topical thing. I haven't actually tried it yet because I haven't had the sore muscles to give it a go. But hey, and we've got our boy Slick Dissonant ready to join us. And I think we'll have at least one more calling in soon. But hey, what's up, everybody? I think uh, that's enough introducing, perhaps, other than that you should know to go to Michelle's Healing Home on Instagram. She's got a YouTube channel of the same name and a website. In the show notes, you'll see in the description links to all of that and more. So what's up, everybody? How's everyone tonight? Hey, he's got the he's got the juice. Nice. nice juice. We're stoked to be here, Chance. Thanks for having us. Nice to see you, Gabe. Great to see you guys. Hello, hello. Everybody looks so lovely today. Aw, shucks. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm so pumped to be here. I've been so hyped like all week ever since I was invited on. So I'm really excited to talk with you guys. She's been talking about it all week. Vibrate's <laughs> <laughs> like the funniest show out there. I don't know how so many people sleep on it. Should have a lot of people watching. We get down. Oh, it'll get there. It, it'll get there for sure. Agreed. Yeah. What's up, everybody in the chat? We got 77 Cutie Pie. That's a great name. Skywalk, Skywalk Trees. I am also a cool name. Reagan, a.k.a. Awkwardly Awesome. Davin in the chat. Artist Seer over on the Rockfin side. Aloha to my boy Kabir and Mercury Mel. Greetings. So. Oh, and even Christy's here. Cool. From down under. Yeah. So I, how many people in the chat have actually uh, acquired some of Michelle's products before we get into, you know, some of her backstory? I'd love to see you guys pop that into the, the chat box. And Michelle, why don't you just tell us about yourself and what led you onto this path? And then we can talk more about specifically what that path entails. Sure. So uh, my name is Michelle and uh, I'm originally from Wisconsin and been living out in the Pacific Northwest now for like 13 years. And I felt like my journey out here was um, I was pulled out here for some reason. And I think the herbs actually were part of that pull because it wasn't until I got out to this area that I actually even discover discovered herbalism as an actual thing. You know, I never really um, as a young girl, I wasn't really introduced to it or anything like that. Um, but it was actually Mario who um, was the catalyst for that one as has been for many other things. And we tend to just riff off of each other in that way. Um, so he was researching um, smoking herbs and he asked me to, he was looking for something called Damiana 
And he asked me if I wanted to go to an herb shop that he had found out about in Portland. And yeah, so I went, we went and I walked in and I just had like this total visceral feeling of like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. And, but I just want to know more about it. And I want to be in this energy. And so I ended up going back to that same herb shop and asking about classes, if they offered anything. And it turned out that they had um, an internship program that you could sign up for. And I believe it was like six weeks or something like that. Um, and you basically were a worker there, but you were ju- you weren't paid. You were just kind of like working with the herbs, working with the customers, pouring medicines and stuff. And I totally just like opened up into this. Uh, what's up, Rachel? So glad you're here. Happy birthday. Yeah, oh, yeah. Happy birthday. That's right. Oh, we don't hear you yet. But we'll let uh, Michelle continue on her story while you work out your audio thing. But happy yeah. birthday. Really good to see you. Yes, totally. But um, yeah, so anyway, I was there and I was like pouring tinctures and stuff. And I just knew at that point that it was I'd found part of my passion in life, part of my calling was going to be working with these plants. And so I ended up getting hired at the herb shop. I was an employee for about a year. And then I really just wanted to try and start venturing out on my own in terms of having a business and, and uh, the rest is history. And now here we are. Um, That was back in 2013. So it's been quite a bit. It's been almost a decade, which kind of blows my mind because it doesn't almost feel that long. But um, yeah, time sure flies when you're having fun. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's been an incredible journey and herbs have been such an integral part of my personal healing journey um, that I knew that I wanted to share my knowledge and the things that I continue to learn with other people so that they can have some of hopefully maybe some of the same experiences that I have had in terms of healing Um, specifically, I mean, physical healing, obviously, but for me, it was big time emotional healing trauma, um, which is one of my, you know, as weird as it sounds, but it's one of my passions (laughs) to, uh, you know, just walk that line of the shadow and dive into it. Um, It took me time to actually get comfortable with doing that, but As I do more shadow work, I become more comfortable doing it. And so it just, it's like this beautiful, you know, symbiotic relationship when you start tapping into your own story and uh, accepting it and um, starting to be okay with it and being okay with sharing it with people and getting over the embarrassment that comes with a lot of it, you know, and uh, herbs were always there for me and I just think that that's one of their purposes here on our plane is to be there for people to help us tap into these areas of our lives. Well, and I'll say too, Michelle is a very earthy person. And so we actually, it's beautiful because I'm a cancer, she's a Capricorn. So we have this like polarity thing going on. Right. And, um, it just really came out of her in a maximum beautiful sort of way. Once she started tapping into the plants and seeing her relationship with them and actually developing like real relationships with these plants and herbs and everything, talking to them, you know, uh, dream working with them, writing about them, all sorts of stuff. And uh, she just has a really natural gift in my opinion um, to like work physically with things 
Um, she's something of a mixologist too. She was a herbalist or sorry, she was a barista for a long time. And then that transitioned really nicely into herbalism too. So the way she makes drinks, her passion that she was putting into drinks, she's putting now into her remedies and tinctures and everything else too. So anyways, just the physicality of everything. I don't really have that. I'm more of an emotional kind of mental type of person, but uh, she has the earthy thing in spades. So it would just make sense that she would find the plants at some point or they would find her. Yeah, Rachel, there's two of you here in the uh, stream yard, so I just switched to the new one. Is that the right move or should we go back to the first one? <laughs> yeah, that's good. I don't know what's going okay, on. Cool. There's one. <laughs> my internet's been weird. <laughs> yeah, your uh, birthday is it like, are you mitosis here? <laughs> well, I want to just make a comment before I let uh, yes. <laughs> before I let the others pop in on this is just the way you're describing the relationship with the plants. That's a very shamanistic thing. And I love that this is the plants themselves teaching you and you're developing this relationship on your own independently. They're your teachers. I think that is the true essence of shamanism. Not that we can't learn from each other and that's definitely helpful, but the people that give you the best teaching are the ones that themselves learn from the plants. So you're going straight to the source. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, you know, I just, I I realized that I um, had a knack for actually hearing them speak, which kind of was strange at the beginning because, and it wasn't like, um, I don't know, it wasn't like a, a, a deep voice in my head, like very obvious, but the way they would speak to me would be something along the lines of, Kind of, for example, for a lot of you guys, like when I uh, first came on Weaving Spiders, I talked about mugwort, but then it was like I started gifting it to people. But it was because it was like mugwort wanted to go to the people that I gave it to. And that is kind of something that I've really tried to keep in my practice. And I've I've I, I want to continue it for the rest of my life, basically, because if that herb comes to me and is like, oh, yeah, I think they want that. They need that. And um, that plant then has mes- messages or healing, you know, attributes to to send to them. And so um, it, it hasn't let me down quite yet in terms of um, I, I guess I, it hasn't disappointed me because typically that person is like, oh, my God, that is exactly what I needed. I had no idea. And thank you so much, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's been done for me too. And so I just want to kind of return those favors as well. Cause I've had plenty of people, you know, come to me while I've been working in this uh, arena and say, Hey, like, have you ever looked into this plant? You might want to, cause I think that it might be good for you. And I've heard multiple herbalists talk like that, how it was like somebody else just dropped this, you know, a name of a plant. You know, and they were like, yeah, I don't know, maybe look into it. And then they end up looking into it and it's exactly what they needed or exactly the ally or, you know, the thing that would help whatever they were experiencing, whether it was physical or emotional. And as I think a lot of us in this little room and our network can understand that our emotions are so linked to our physical health. And I find that the herbs just really like, work super well on that level. And I think that's also why they work really well with animals because animals can't speak with us. I mean, we can have a psychic connection with an animal, but in my uh, experience, even specifically with our cat, it's like um, the plants work really well and they work really quickly and they tend to be so gentle that you can um, introduce them when things are really acute. And then you can also use them with just as like, you know, 
uh, maintenance and things like that. So I think that it has something to do with that psychic connection there uh, for sure. And the first tincture I ever made was for our cat. <laughs> so, cause our, our, our little one, he's got like, uh, he has asthma or he has some upper respiratory thing that he's always dealt with. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it. I'm going to make a tincture for Carl and let's see if it works. And I totally went for it and it worked. And then I was like, all right. Okay. And then I just kind of kept going. And then I was just more intrigued by it, you know, by it all. That's awesome. What, uh, what tincture did Carl receive? It was a it was like a combo. It was a lung healing tincture. So there was like there was mullen in there, and there was lobelia. There was licorice root. Uh, I made it in a like a vegetable glycerin base, you know. And uh, yeah, it just it totally freaking started working. I'm like, oh my god, sweet. And we were going it to a holistic vet at the time, so I felt like um, I almost felt like I had kind of like a rite of passage to do it too. It was really it was really interesting. It just everything fit together. And to this day, he's still, he's kind of one of my first like uh, experiments, if you want to say, cause you know, <laughs> I'll do research and stuff, you know, but he's always the, my little buddy. I'm like, let's try it, dude. And typically uh, things work for him. That's beautiful. That's uh, so in the chat, which is uh, a, a beautiful rarity. And I was wondering, are there any herbal tinctures he could give his cat Juno to be less fat and aggressive? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fat thing might be a food thing, but the aggression, I mean, I don't know, uh, not all cats are good with it, but CBD seems to work really well. And you can get like the just um, the straight CBD that doesn't have THC in it. That's your, your best bet. So that would be the difference between like, like a full spectrum CBD is actually going to ha could have like a little bit of THC. But if you're getting something like a straight uh, CBD tincture, um, that could really help. Um, you know, passion flower is a really good one. There's a company called Apothecary and they make really great blends and they have one called the tranquility blend and i have that for carl um and we'll give that to him if like we ever take him on the road or when we're moving or something that could be a good thing to think about and then also there's something out there called rescue remedy and they also make it for humans too but it's it's flower essence based and um which that's like a whole other conversation but i think we'll probably be able to touch on essences a little bit but um rescue remedy for sure is very effective and it's really quick like it's you give the dose and it's within like five minutes the animal will calm down and sometimes like even like a holistic vet will have it on hand like if they have a, an animal that's just like kind of feisty uh they'll they can give them the uh rescue remedy and it really calms them down um yeah and that's even for for people too if you see it like they'll they'll sell it like health food stores and it's a bach remedy that's the brand um, I've, yeah, so. I've had that stuff a few times uh, and it works. I highly recommend Like you that. use it on yourself because you're a Leo, like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, a, a wild story with quite a different outcome uh, relating to healing of your own cats. Um, I have a cousin who was, uh, he was born a genius. He like took apart his speaking spell and put it back together and it worked every time. Uh, I think it was like the fourth or third time he took it apart, put it back together. And it finally started to 
sound like a demonic computer instead. <laughs> uh, but he's he's incredibly smart. And one day he discovered uh, what he thought was licorice root out in his yard. And so he took it and he uh, chopped it up and he sun dried it uh, on in the patio in the sun so that it was like a powder. And then he made a jello pudding mm. and he tasted it and he said it tasted horrible. He didn't like it. It didn't taste like licorice. So he put it on the porch and the cat ate it. Oh, snap. And this is where things get weird because the next day the cat had to go to the vet because its eyeball was swollen to the size of its own head. <laughs> oh, God. But it was, the cat was okay. But it's just this really creepy story that when you said uh, uh, licorice root, it pulled me back to the story that I have a cousin who thought he was feeding licorice root to the cat and it didn't go well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm glad the cat was okay. And that is one of the things with herbal, with herbs in general, um, identification is so important. And I too have misidentified things. And there's a lot of things that look, look alike. Luckily, I've never had the experience of misidentifying and then giving it to someone else. It was usually I misidentified it and brought it home. And I maybe didn't even use it, but then looked into it or I did use it and it ended up being okay. And it's only been on me, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I mean, you hear horror stories about that. And I think that's one of the fear things too with it. I think people just get really scared. So then they just don't do it at all. Um, but there, I mean, the thing with the plants, the, the language is so, um, it's subtle, but it's very potent. And so um, they will give you very uh, strong identifiers between the two, but you have to just really get down on the ground, literally, and like, touching it and opening up leaves and looking at flowers because it could just be like one little thing about it that the identifier could be, you know? And so that's the thing I I've figured out, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no need to be scared. It's just about like making sure you have a really solid uh, plant identification book for your region is, is really, that's like key I find. And there's all sorts of apps now. I don't have an app, but um, the times that any friends around me have used them, I've been impressed, like just, you know, taking a photo and then it's boop. Okay, here we are. So even if you can get like a little app on your phone, that would be really helpful. And Michelle could talk about it at length, but, you know, even the plants that are poisonous are actually very beneficial. It's just about the right dosage. So she's made a study of poison plants and things like that, which is like a whole deal, which I find very intriguing. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a cool. question. Yeah, go for it. So um, would you like when you're studying herbs, you pick up a lot of different skills. And I, I was thinking about that when you said, you know, when you're identifying some of these and people are afraid of, you know, not getting them correct, but that totally makes you pay attention and like makes your observational skills have to develop. So what are some, what are some skills or areas of study that you found yourself diving into just from plants? Like how, how did the springboard and, you know, kind of inspire other areas? So you kind of broke up just a second on that last part. Um, 
but you're asking what other types of studies did I incorporate to um, learn the IDing, right? Um, yeah, kind of what like studying herbs inspired, like kind of sparked. And I want to add to that question. Okay. Uh, do you find that would you would you think that using books and basically identifying it yourself is probably more valuable than the app overall? Because the I feel like outsourcing our knowledge to the Internet and to Google is probably at the end of the day, a weakness if that disappeared at some point. And yeah, anyway, just to throw that in. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to Rachel's question, I would say, if anything, it was like self-exploration and trauma and shadow work, because one of the things I realized, too, when I would misidentify a plant, it was like, okay, well, that plant wants to be around me for some reason. And so I would always kind of think about like, all right, well, it was my lack of awareness or my hastiness that led me to think that that plant was okay. And I didn't really think it through. So it was just like being hasty and uh, not being patient or something like that. Um, so that's, that's definitely one thing I would say. Um, and then gardening made me uh, want to get into gardening even more and then growing my own herbs so that I could be closer to understanding what to look for in a plant um, to know if it was safe or not. And so the, the herbalism and the gardening kind of just like started flowing together really well. And now we're in a place where we have so much more space to actually do it um, that I've learned like, I've learned so much just by gardening and buying plants and planting them just to see what happens, you know? Um, and it also took like my kitchen cooking to the next level, I'd say. And so I just got like way more passionate about that. And I think the herbs kind of played a role in that because then I was like experimenting with herbal, like, broths and what what can you incorporate into like a soup or what can you make it what kind of herb can you make into a pesto um those sorts of things and then lastly i would say it sparked my interest in spagyrics and alchemy and learning i i I, at some someday in this lifetime, I will dive a lot deeper into spagyric medicine because I've kind of skimmed the surface and I've, you know, read here and there. I've met people that do it. I follow people who are into it. But that to me, there's something very intriguing just because then you're like you're you're separating the parts and then you're bringing them back together. And the whole process of that um yeah, me uh, identifying plants and stuff that led me to realizing that there was this whole other level that's just like so much more deeper and really awesome. The doctrine of signatures. The doctrine of signatures. Yes. I love that's that a, phrase. That's oh. a huge one. And that's a big part of um, of the identification and all that kind of stuff. And so for anybody who's not familiar with the doctrine of signatures, basically the idea that the, uh, the plant itself uh, by through its leaves, its stem, its structure, where it grows, its color can actually help you to understand what organ system it will work for, what its qualities are. Is it going to bring heat to the body? Is it going to cool the body? Is it, is it, you know, um, is it good for dry conditions or wet conditions? And yeah, that was one that really um, 
caught my interest uh, once I started working with plants uh, because that to me, and every time it's, it's spot on every time, you know, even I just, um, I think of something like, like St. John's wort is the first one that comes to mind because you, it's, it's a plant of the solstice of the summer solstice. And it's, uh, it's a plant of Leo. And so it tends to grow in really sunny spots. It has a beautiful, bright yellow flower that literally just like illuminates the space that it it's blooming in. And um, I, I just think that it's, it's such a, um, interesting thing that it has something to do with the sun so it's going to like warm you and it it just loves the sun it needs the sun and it also has this um this ability to help you um I mean, a lot of people know it for depression. It's good for like helping people with mild depression. But one of the coolest identifiers of St. John's wort is when you take a leaf and you hold it up to the sun, there's like these tiny little holes in the leaf. And um, the holes hold an essential oil, but the um, the Latin name is Hyperium perforatum. So it's perforated. So these perforations actually help you to heal the holes in your being, in your auric field, in your body. And so there's like this gateway thing that happens with St. John's wort. And um, that's one of the like easiest ways to identify that plant. And then also there's like a very, um, the hypericin that's in there is dotted. I Googled it. Does this look right? That, that's not it. Mm -mm. It Oh, Google image search for the lose. There okay. is uh there's a false there's a false St. John's wort though that's sold in like uh you know like nurseries and something they'll sell it and then the blossom is like much bigger. But um it's it's connected to St. John the Baptist and the beheading of him. And so when you make the medicine you want to use the fresh herb because the essential oils are are then like fresh and they're in their liquid state. And as soon as you add it to alcohol or oil, it becomes this scarlet red color, like blood. And it's, what? yeah, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And that's always the way to know if you ever buy it and you're, you're uncertain if it's, if it's going to be legit or if it was made with fresh, just if it has that red color, you're, you're, you're solid. You're good. Um, yeah, you can use it in its dried state for like tea and stuff, but it's just not as effective. So yeah. Yes. False, false St. John's wort. <laughs> yeah. Gabe, when I learned that too, I was blown away. And as she started digging into plant symbolism, I mean, that really woke up another side of me and I'm like, Holy smokes, there's so much wisdom and mythology and symbolism and stuff to decode in the name of these plants. How are they traditionally were used? You know, the deities, gods, and like other figures they were associated with and everything right. else. So she's blown my mind like multiple times when she's just like reading these books and sharing with me some of this stuff. It's, it's really far out and cool. Wow. That, that really is. That's amazing. Like think about, so it, if you say that if it's the good stuff, if it's the fresh stuff, it has, it comes out red. Yes. Yes. And, and when you take the flower in your hand and you like smash it in your, between your fingers, yeah. your fingers will turn, will turn red. And that's one of the ways to identify it too, because those essential oils will stain your finger. And uh, I did see someone in the comments say, um, 
talk about like mixing the antidepressants with the St. John's board. And yes, I will say if you are on antidepressive antidepressants or anything like that, I mean, you're, you're, you're best advised to either talk to like a clinical herbalist or your doctor or somebody like saying like, I want to reduce my dosage or get off of it entirely. And then slowly incorporating it because it's really important. And the other thing too, it's like, it's good for mild depression. I, you know, I don't have experience with giving it to somebody who is like really, you know, having some, some like serious, maybe lifetime issues with that. So I can't say like, yes, St. John's Wort will cure your depression. That's not true because we know too that there's also inner stuff too. Like the herbs are just there to bring things out. And so it's, it's kind of just like, um, it's just a helper, you know, and, uh, it's really great for a seasonal, uh, depression. You know, people in the winter, you get, you just start getting down in the dumps. And then that St. John's Wort, it's like you have sunshine in a bottle, man. So you take you take the St. John's wort and it's like, wow, I'm starting to feel better, you know, and then uh, to segue into mugwort a little bit. The uh, story with St. John the Baptist is that he wore mugwort. Yes, you know, Gabe. OK, he wore mugwort on his chest while he traveled for protection. So mugwort's a traveler's herb. And so it's not only for astral travel and dream time travel, but actual physical travel. And, you know, back in the day, one of the traditional things was to put leaves of mugwort into the shoes of people traveling so that they would have a safe journey and they would have a safe journey home. And like the mugwort would just be that little nudge or that little shield for them while they were out and about. That is so awesome. That I did is not so know awesome. That. Like- all of a sudden, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, John the Baptist. I'm like seeing him as like a walking apothecary. <laughs> it, it, well, yes. that would make sense why certain orders revere him, who are now in control of medical mafia and all that. Doesn't it? So now, okay, so okay, so we have Saint John's Wort, we have uh, the Mugwort. And we also know that he was traveling around with the locusts in honey as well. Ah. So he has these like uh, apothecarian icons as part of his, his mythology. That is beautiful. Man, there's so much to unravel there. I really love this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a- I know. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was like when I started telling Mario about these St. John the Baptist connections that I was finding out, and this was a few years ago, he's just like, what? And then it inspired him to look into more of that stuff. And it just, yeah, it, it's just this huge thing. There's just so much to know. And um, that's the other thing, too, with herbs. I always, like, encourage people. And what I was told in when I began my studies was – you can feel overwhelmed in the beginning because there are so many plants. And so you're like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to know all this stuff? And it's like, you won't. <laughs> you know, it's OK. You can just like accept that from the start, you know, the starting line. And uh, I found just picking like a handful of herbs, like 10 herbs or something and going through them however way suits you best, whether it's finding them in nature, buying them at an herb store, making tea meditating with them, you know, buying a tincture or whatever, and just kind of like one by one, start, start communing with them. And before you know it, you're going to have like uh, maybe a small, but very solid arsenal 
of herbs that you will be very familiar with to the point where you'll be comfortable enough to talk to people about it and share it with people. And that that's kind of what I've always kind of tried to do. And one of the other things uh, to segue back to your question, Rachel, um, with the herbs and what else it like led me to study and understand. And it was, um, being okay to admit when I don't know something, which was hard for me because I mean, lots of people have that pride or you want, you want to say yes, you want to know, you want the, you know, you want to have the answer or whatever. But I was just like, you can't say, you know, if you don't know with this stuff, man, you, I mean, that goes for a lot of things, but it was specific with the herbs and it really helped me to just like, kind of like, uh, integrate that part of my ego and like have a healthier relationship with that part of my ego and, and being like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and it's better that I don't than you know, and then instead of trying to tell you what I think it might be or something like that. So yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. A few that. words are like, more powerful um, than the three. I was wrong. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I love how multifaceted so many of these plants really are. And I think that's something that makes that acceptance a lot easier. You know, when you understand that, you know, one thing can treat, you know, a multitude of areas and, you know, maybe those are the only ones you need to know. It's not that you have to know all of them as much as, man, that's such a goal. Like I would love to know every <laughs> single plant and all its qualities. And like every time I open up a book, I'm like, I'm going to know all this. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> but right. you'll know the ones that are good for you and your physiology and what you need, which I think is a really special connection to have to plants. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things Michelle taught me, just to your point, is that uh, some of the plants you need to know about and integrate are in your front or backyard, right? That there's this really amazing thing that happens where plants will start popping up and people like suddenly realize like, oh, there's this flower or herb or weed or whatever that I'm just noticing. Oh, wouldn't you know it? it actually addresses the thing that I'm having issues with right now. And so I think that's really fascinating. It's something that she showed me and it seems to really be the case. And we've known multiple people where uh, they've had instances like that, where they discovered a plant and realized that they actually need to have it in their life. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that Michelle would talk about her lady package. Yeah. Maybe her masculine package. Dude, totally. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh my God. And I know I said this in my note to you, but you totally inspired me to make that because <laughs> it was like, I woke up one morning and I was just like, Oh, I know what I'm going to send to Rachel. Like I had an idea. Mugwort was in there. And then I was starting to the, just like have these conversations with Trillium and Trillium was like, dude, you gotta, you, you gotta make something with this. Yep. And, uh, and Rachel, Rachel should have it. And then I came into Mario's office. I'm like, I know a divine feminine and divine masculine set, you know, so trying to have, so with what, what Rachel showed, I did uh, the maiden, the mother and the crone. And so the maiden is, in my opinion, she had a lot of maiden energy, which was the trillium, um, kind of like that empress, youthful, joyful, 
energy that and she's just like one of the first flowers of spring and her beauty is so captivating and when you see trillium at least for me i i can't not look at her and not go up to trillium and just want to be in her presence and so um i made a flower essence of that and um so that basically is more for flower essences and gem essences are more for like the energetic body uh healing trauma i've found for me personally that's the that's what has i've used a lot um because you um it's such a uh potent vibratory medicine and it's used and made like um homeopathics so kind of like the less is more sort of thing where you're diluting these uh you're diluting each dose so much that it's it's actually going to get to the auric field a little bit more easily um and then the mother is mother wart which um is also a leo plant and that is leonaris cardiaca lots of people call it lion's tail or lion's heart I actually took some mother wart before we came on because she's super calming and a lot of people use it for cardiac health. Um, really great for anxiety or just like bringing the comfort of a mother. That's what I always kind of how I describe it. Um, the, the comfort that only a mother can bring to you. Uh, even if you don't have a good relationship with your mother, we all know that, that, that energy of a, of a, a nurturing mother. And I think mother wart really does that. And, Another kind of um, herb that just like calms you right away. And she's very bitter um, and is in the mint family. So uh, that's my mother uh, remedy there for Rachel. And then the crone, mugwort. <laughs> so you had this whole like, you know, trifecta of medicines I thought went really well together. And the crone just has so much wisdom that she kind of like holds those two in their place a little bit. Um, and uh, the Divine Masculine package is still in the works, but my first one um, is Pine Pollen. And so... Another thing, this is just a random thought that popped in my head before you talk about Pine Pollen and the Divine Masculine much needed package. Yes. <laughs> masculine package that sounds wrong <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, right. it helps with your package anyway it is i though. was thinking just now how amazing <laughs> so it would be as a combo if after a sound healing session whenever i've been able to like fully diagnose what type of imbalances go on in someone's field and where like original wounding is at and what is likely to continue to be a pattern for them despite them working on it it may be something they readdress at different points in their life how amazing that would be to take that diagnosis and be like, all right, Michelle, here's the rundown. Hit me with the herbs and we send that to them. And that would be like a really cool thing to add to the, to the healing package to like continue the maintenance work after the big discovery work has been done. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I'd love to do something like that because it's so crucial, especially anyone that's experienced a sound healing, you know, uh, there's that, that stuff vibrates out for days or weeks for depending on what was going on at least in my experience you know it you don't i've never left and gone like okay on with the day it's like no it takes like at least three days to even get back to normal oh totally get back to normal i say like to uh yeah there can be like a a big detox or recovery phase for a few days you might even have less energy for a little while and then come back stronger 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that the herbs would totally nurture that and, and allow you to dive into it because that's what the herbs do too. It's like, if you are wanting to work with herbs for trauma, get ready because they're going to bring it, man. And I've had it where I've done certain, I've had herbs and I've taken a drop of something, a, literally one drop and just upheaval. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, Hey, if you're really wanting to tap in, you know, that that's a way. And that's one of the things that really intrigued me too, with the trauma work was um, the idea of drop dosage. And typically if you are working with like a practitioner who is going to help guide you through that sort of thing, they will recommend, I mean, a good one will recommend doing drop doses and going slow because just like we know when you're dealing with anything that's painful, low and slow is usually the way to go instead of just trying to like, you know, shove into it, uh, heal it and get over with it. I mean, you know, that's probably why you're there in the first place. If you're just trying to like get in and get out because it doesn't work that way. I mean, and I always remind myself too, it's like, um, as soon, as soon as you, uh, think you're, you got, okay, I'm, I'm good. I healed that, whatever. There's something else comes up. Cause that's, I think that's part of our purpose here in, in life is, is to, um, to tap into that stuff and to realize that there's always going to be something that comes up, whether and it's- that has to do with the fact that we are a vessel that is a fractal miniature of the entire universal ether. So you are given the opportunity to continue the work towards wholeness infinitely, infinitely as a fact that you're like on a ladder towards the infinite in the first place. But then the further you will go with your own self work, the more you change your world. Yes. Indeed. Totally. And the world's around you. Yeah, really well put. Because that, that, I mean, for me too, I mean, just with us, I mean, I, when I started really diving deep into what I needed to work on, you know, I then began realizing like, man, you know, all of this stuff affects Mario. <laughs> it affects the people around me. It affects the people I interact with on a daily basis, which motivated me to heal it even more, especially knowing that, you know, that I'm affecting here I am residing with this beautiful man. And it's like, can we help each other heal? Yes, we can. And that's I feel like it's like what we've decided to do. And I was just like, wow, I mean, I need to I need to uh, woman up, as I heard Kaylee say uh, um, in uh, just yesterday or the day before. It's like, let's let's do this. And um I can see how my negativity and all those things that I used to kind of carry more of a scarcity mindset. Um, the more I work on it, just the more beautiful life becomes. And I just kind of try and like keep that in my heart and, and just my daily practice. And when I'm talking to other people about certain things, it's what I try and try and, uh, help others to realize too. So do you so. do like one-on-one -on -one consulting where you can just have a conversation with someone and they'll, tell you what they're wanting to work on and you give them recommendations. Cause I feel like you could make a great side a part of your business just out of consulting over like a call. Yeah, I had, you know, when I was still trying to find my place in, in the herbal weave or whatever, I really thought that I wanted to be like a clinical herbalist, which is kind of more like that where you are having more of a practitioner's setting and stuff like that. Um, and then I realized like, I'm not much, I'm not super clinical or very like, uh, precise like that, but I do want to think about doing something like that where I do have the opportunity to do one-on-one -on -one sessions. And I actually, that used to be on my website because that was like a pie in the sky thing that I wanted to do that it was like coming soon and it just 
hasn't come yet or never came. But yeah, I'd love to do that. And I've had friends ask me that same question of, of, you know, if we just sat down, would you be able to, if I told you a few things, would you be able to line up a remedy that you think could work? And I would be more than happy to well, thank you. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to do something like that for people because that would just like push me, I think, into that next level of of just kind of like making that more of a predominant part of what I do. Yeah, I've thought about that, too. Every, you know, I think it's easy to do when you get into herbs. You're like, oh, my God, how can I help? You know, that's yeah. something that I find comes up. And most herbalists that I talk to have that helping healing heart because it's so easy. You, you realize how easy this kind of thing is and how available it is that anyone can benefit from it. So I've, I've discovered kind of the same thing where it's like, I probably could get that far, but I enjoy the crystal aspect a lot ah. more and teaming up with herbs, you know, to do that. So it's, nice. it's interesting. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. The crystal yeah. thing for me, they actually taught me energy healing, energy work. I've never done any kind of activations or like Reiki master training or any of that stuff. But literally just the first time I ever held a selenite crystal, it was like, whoop, and something unlocked from, I don't know, past life or what. And then the more that I played around with them, the more I would just get the idea of how to address somebody energetically as the situation presented itself. And it just has continued since then. It's a never ending journey. So I totally get the whole thing with the herbs teaching you and ta- and the plants communicating with you. For me, it's been more of the crystals doing that, but I'm sure there's all aspects of nature we could tap into and speak with. Yeah, no, exactly. I was just going to say one of the things um, that Michelle has taught me through this herbal journey that she's on is just what uh, Rachel said, the availability. There is just opportunities to heal and grow and to tap into different aspects of ourselves absolutely everywhere. And so we just go out on a hike, like from our front door. And, you know, it's like a little herbal walk. And she's like pointing all these different things out. I'm like, wow, most people when they go on this hike, you know, they don't realize what they're looking at, but they're looking at like a forest full of medicine, you know, it's absolutely incredible. Yes. With herbalism, it's just, it opens your awareness of um, just the abundance of the universe and mother nature, you know? Nice. Yeah. I I heard a term recently that I'm hoping to improve in my life a lot is uh, plant literacy. Ah, yes. And I just love that term. I think way more important than book literacy, even way more important. I think that's a term we should all start throwing around a little more. And yeah, I love the idea of herb walks, you know, like, uh, kind of teaching a person how to fish, so to say. Totally. Yeah, I have a good friend that is an expert at, at the nature locally. And I've been, every time I see him, I'm just like, so when are you going to start taking us on tours? I'll pay you. Start touring. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> share this wonderful knowledge you've got, buddy. Well, and luckily I had an opportunity like that this weekend or just this week because I was at my aunt's house and she's always had this amazing garden. And she's giving me the tour, you know, I'm introducing, you know, all the, all the plant babies that she's got right now. And we get to this part in her front yard where there's a couple dandelions and she's like, oh, these are getting in here. You know, she's very sweet and patient about it. I'm like, oh, so these are your medicinal dandelions, right? 
because she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, because you don't spray this area of your garden, do you? And she's like, no, I never do. I'm like, yep, these are your medicinal ones. You can put them in salad. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, you can. I've They sell them at Sprouts. You can buy the leaves at Sprouts. So, you know, we sat there and we actually pulled some leaves off of them and just ate them in her front yard. And she's like, those don't taste bad. And my cousin's like, yeah, it tastes like salad. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just harvest these. Yeah, I know Dude. Kabir in the Rockfin chat, he shares sometimes in our Telegram group his uh, his lunch and it'll just be like flowers and herbs and stuff right out of his yard in his garden. It looks so colorful and beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. And Rachel, that's beautiful because that's one of my favorite things, too, is like seeing just the pure joy and like uh, just bewilderment on someone's face when you're like, yeah, you can eat that or yes, you can make that into medicine. And just seeing them like light up is one of my favorite things to do for a person because then it it opens up this whole thing and they'll take it wherever they're going to take it. But yeah, dandelion, they're like, they're, uh, they're like public enemy number one. (laughs) And they're the ones that are like the most persistent. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's like, I was even talking to my grandma the other day. All of those dandelions are popping up. I haven't got a chance to spray them. I'm like, don't, you know, and I've gotten to the point too where I'm like, if you're going to spray them, then spray them. You know what I mean? I don't want you to. I'll, I'll remind her their medicine, but I know she's going to do what she's going to do. And I'm not going to try and change an 89 year old woman, you know, in her ways. But at the same time, like just how easily quickly it's like the first, one of the first beautiful, like, uh, you know, golden beams of the spring. People just want to shoot them down. But it is what it is. It's more for people like us who understand it. I've actually heard that there are anthropologists that discovered, and I couldn't like point you to the source of this information, but I think it's a thing that it's been discovered that especially particularly noticeable around villages that are more in a hunter gatherer vibe or just more close to nature in general that, but I believe it's happening here too. I think dandelion's a great example that plants which would be particularly helpful for common issues amongst a tribe or a group of people will actually grow in more abundance near those people as if nature's like, hello, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. Let's do this. And we're just like, kill those dandelions. <laughs> no, totally. It's so true. Yeah. I love that. That's an amazing thing. How it works for sure. And usually the most like um, important things that we need are typically right under our nose. And so many times, how many times have we not even realized it, you know, with all sorts of things, herbs and people and books, information, you know, it's just like, wow, it was there the whole time. I just wasn't I wasn't on that wavelength to pick it up. Truth can never be hidden. We just deny the truth. Totally. And it eventually finds you. (laughs) So hide all you want, but, you know, it's coming. So I I have a a story that I'm very excited to share with you, Michelle. Yeah. Is this uh, a mugwort story? This is the mugwort story. I can't hold it any longer. Wait, wait, hold it just a little longer. I I have a segue into the mugwort stories. Okay. All right. And then uh, we'll, we'll try to make room later for the... Divine masculine package because I want to hear more about that. Oh yes, oh, yes. very yes, interested totally. in that. But okay, so we had before the show even started, we had a call on the call-in line, which I better link in the chat. I haven't linked it yet in this episode, but on our Telegram vibrant call-in line. And Alan Marcus, are you present, Woo! Alan Marcus? I don't know if he's in here, but he left us a uh, a voice message. So let me 
play it. It's not very long. Is that Alan Marcus from alanmarcus.com? Yes. <laughs> or, Actually, or I think Alan his Marcus. name is alanmarcus.com. I think I'm mis- oh, okay. uh, misquoting gotcha. his name oh, there. changed his name now. Okay. <laughs> the real yes, Alan Marcus, please stand up. This is a call-in from alanmarcus.com. It's not very long. Here we go. I hear Michelle talking about mugwort on her Instagram. And I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with muggles. Is that too quiet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me fix that. I think I can. I think I can. Just a hair. All right. Tell me if this is like way too loud now. He's t- you know him. He talks really quiet. I hear Michelle talking about mugwort on her Instagram. And I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with muggles in Harry Potter being in this sort of dream state mm. and the magicians are awake. Huh. Maybe there's something to that. Muggles, mugwort, muggles, mugwort. <laughs> Do you have to smuggle some mugwort to the muggles so that they can wake up? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love it. I actually love it. Oh, go ahead, Chance. No, that's it. That's great. I think actually he's probably onto something that they're in the dream state. But they actually probably need to be tapping deeper into their subconscious so that they can work through the things that they're maybe avoiding while they're just muggling normie style through life, you know, because uh, that's what mugwort will do. It's like and uh, I think I I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I think one of the best things about mugwort is that it's literally just the, it, it, like she like she pulls the wool from your subconscious in my opinion. So I think that it's like she's pulling that away so that you can get the insights you're needing, whatever, you know, contacting with people, talking with people, seeing things from a different perspective or whatever. I think that that's like one of the main elements in her medicine. And I mean, she's psychoactive too. So the Thujone in there, just like with the absinthe, it has that, that kind of like, taking you to that other realm sort of medicine in there. And that's so it's why related it's related to wormwood. Yes, it is. It's, it's in the same family and it has that same active component as, um, as the, uh, wormwood does. And, um, typically, uh, mugwort is known as like a witch's herb and it's known as a witch's herb because of all these qualities of taking you to the astral realm, protecting you there, showing you the things that, uh, are kind of hard to see sometimes, but then also being there to help nurture you and also just, you know, bring like a warmth to that space where you're, you know, where you're, uh, where you're kind of diving deeper. Which is, I just think it's such a beautiful thing with Mugwort that she's like a package deal that way. She'll take you there, but she'll protect you while you're there. That was when I started learning about that with her. I'm like, man, yeah, she's my favorite. <laughs> I can't deny it because it's just so, so beautiful. And without getting into specific examples, although I can share some of my Mugwort dreams, I'll just say I got the package a few days ago. Three nights in a row, I've taken the mugwort and three nights in a row, I've had intense dreams. 
And I'm I'm kind of mixing things up. I'm using melatonin and I have an acetylcholine supplement I take regularly. So all those things combined, I think the mugwort just sets it off even more. But here's this is a question for you. Is this a common thing with mugwort that often a lot of the dreams and I'm having like three or four a night, maybe five. (laughs) But a lot of the dreams, like at least half of the time, it's almost as if I'm watching a movie and I'm not even a character in it. And is that part of the shielding thing that I'm like, I don't even have to participate in what's going on. I'm just strictly in the observer mode. That's a great question. I think that's a good insight. Um, I've never been asked that question before, but I, I, my answer would be yes. I think, I think that could be. And actually, when I think about it, because I've been taking mugwort lately too, and um, I've noticed that about the dreams I've been having that I'll be maybe a participant for some of it and even reciting them to Mario. And I'm, I'm like, and then I was just like there, like third person kind of like floating around. Feels like a movie. It all. Yeah, yeah, totally. And very, yeah, just very vivid, very real, like what's happening here? Waking up kind of like I've had to wake up. The, it was two nights ago or two mornings ago, woke up and took the cat outside and had to ground because I was like, I have to come back here <laughs> to the 3D because it was so intense. And I just was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. I even it she she got me to kind of like a step back for a second too, where I was like, all right, I've been taking her for about a week now. And she gave me that. And I, I feel, and that's the other thing too, with medicine, I feel like you can know when is when or what to take by using your intuition with it. So if you feel like you need to take five drops, then try five. If you want a whole dropper full, maybe try that. You know, I think like, you know me, I go whole hog. <laughs> that was my other question. Is there a point where it's like, it becomes less effective after a certain point, like build up a tolerance or is there a point where it's too much for another reason and you want to take a break? Um, I mean, because there are like warming properties to it, specifically with women, um, it's it's known as it's called what's known as an amemagogue. So what that does is it brings warmth and blood to the pelvic region. So like, for example, when a woman is pregnant, you don't want to be taking mugwort because you're not wanting to bring more warmth to that area. Um, and so you kind of want to do what I kind of typically do is like, you maybe take it like two weeks on and take two weeks off and kind of like cycle kind of like that. Um, because I've found that with mugwort where I'll be like, all right, I think, I think my time is like, Right. For right now, anyway, I'll take a little break. And that typically works with many herbs. And there's some herbs that are more potent than others. So you really do need to be more careful. Um, but yeah, mugwort, because of the that warming aspect, even for a man, you're still going to be getting that heat that goes to that, those areas, you know, just cause it's, we, men have pelvises too, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then, and just to say too, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do the divine masculine pack because Typically, we hear a lot, a lot, a lot about the divine feminine and all that. And that's wonderful and beautiful. And I'm a I'm a female, so I totally understand that. But like, I feel like the divine masculine can get lost. And it was like, there's plenty of herbs out there that are, you know, more driven specifically for men. And um, I think that those need to be acknowledged, too. So, yeah, I would recommend the the on and off maybe like every couple weeks or something like that. Braden on the Rockfin side made an awesome observation about keeping a dream journal that the very act of reimagining it into words is what makes it stick into memory. And you never end up needing to really reread the paper. 
I find that to be very true. And even if I just recall the dream and tell somebody about it right away, then as early as possible in the day, like whoever was in the dream, I send them a voice message on Telegram, be like, okay, so we had a samurai battle last night. <laughs> uh, that makes it, yeah. But you remember your story of it. And it is actually just like DMT in that way that you will never remember it. In a, and it really all memory works this way when you get down to it, that it's the story of what happened that you're remembering. And every time you remember it, you remember the story and how you told it most recently, most often is how you remember it. So memory is funny like that. And so the act of recording, I feel like is super uh, integral to what humanity actually is even here to do. I mean, nature has this process of through us, but also through its own mechanisms like DNA continually refining and upgrading the method at which information is recorded and transmitted forward into time. And when you consider that the ether is the universal record of all that exists or happened, then that makes sense that as a reflection in a vessel of ether, our entire purpose, not entire purpose because we're infinite, but like a huge, huge element of our purpose could be just the recording of spirit of existence in a way so that maybe source is able to know itself better by having a better record of its own spin. And Mugwort's great for that because many, we're having dreams every night. You're never, it's just a matter of how conscious you are. You're always experiencing experience never ends. That's what, you know, the image making faculty of consciousness is what consciousness is. <laughs> so yeah, I love this herbal medicine and on the subject of like uh you know, you say you cycle on two two weeks and then cycle off two weeks. And then Gabe, I swear we'll tell your story because I really want to hear it. I've been dying to hear <laughs> Me it. <too. laughs> but uh is there any correlation to that cycling on and off of it that might be ideal to time with a certain up or down wave of the monthly cycle for a female? Oh, yes. Um, so I find that I start wanting to take mugwort when I'm getting closer to my cycle. And then one of she's one of my best allies for either if you have delayed menstruation, she can actually, you know, induce it. Um, and then she also can reduce the cramping that you have while you're on your cycle. And yeah, I know, Rachel, you had mentioned that, uh, that that's been one of the things you noticed. And uh, so, yes, I, I definitely think that that's a thing. And I think then once I'm like waning, from having, you know, my monthly blood, it's like, I don't feel like I need it as much. Um, but one of the things I do notice that it's like really great. Um, if you have like nighttime cramps, I keep it by the bed pretty much all the time, just because I know that she's right there. And so I'm, I'm actually getting that essence of her anyway, cause she's kind of right next to my head or whatever. But if I am having cramps at night, even in the middle of the night, like taking the mugwort and within like five or 10 minutes, I feel I can really feel myself just coming down and the cramps literally just like subsiding as if I had taken some sort of, you know, pain reliever or what have you. Um, but yeah, definitely with that. Um, and I feel like men too, like, and my friend Debbie, who might still be in the chat, she actually brought that 
concept to my attention maybe a year or two ago that she said that she had heard or read something somewhere that men too actually have a cycle and oh, it's yeah. different, you know, and harder for us to track in some ways. Totally. And it's not talked about. It's kind of like, you know, no, come on. You know, that's how somebody might, might respond to that. But when she said it, I was like, dude, totally. How couldn't they, you know, a good, and pl- so- a good place to start on tracking it would be to look at where your moon is your natal moon. And that at that point, consider that like a sacred day that is the kickoff of a new cycle. And it has to do with this idea of like the the chrism or the sacred oil and how that ascends. But uh, without that's too much of a digression and I'm no expert at it. But that's what I know in terms of like beginning to pay attention to your cycle, that that is a good start point whenever the moon is in the sign that it was at when you were born. Very interesting. Symbolically, I just have to say, uh, I would say that's something I would go with that. I was just going to say real quick, uh, menstruation, men, menstruation, men, a lot of things that we uh, use to to track time goes back to the moon, including all of those words, uh, you know, moon, minute, things like that. Um, So anyways, it just makes sense that men would have their cycle. I have no idea where I'm at in mine. I have not tracked that, but uh, maybe I should look into that. Uh, so I think you might be on a slight delay, but I'd love it if you had more to pop in with there. Yeah, I would totally. just um, agree and echo. Okay. <laughs> well, one of yeah, the things- I don't know if you can hear me. Okay. Um, yeah, so I would I would agree with that because I've started tracking the moon more and regardless of what you think about the moon, whether it's real or whatever, we're cycled up to it. Uh, Something that we can get on the same page with. So when I started tracking the moon, I did start to notice that my cycle started moving to be to where my birth moon was. And for me, it's more my sidereal placement. So I noticed that it's in my, it starts in Capricorn for me. Um, instead of Aquarius, but that's just something that I've noticed. And that's something, you know, that I'll touch on a little bit later. Cause I have, I have some cool tea stuff to share with you guys, but definitely check into your moon. Um, cause that is super important. And I think it's, it's cool if guys started to use that as a marker, cause it's there and it's something that you can easily tune into. And it is a curve. It is a learning curve too, to feel into it and, and pay attention to it. But I think it's, when you start to do it, it makes sense and you'll see how it lines up for you for sure. I love that you say that and how I might spin it is that like sidereal or tropical, just the fact that you're looking and paying attention, you're telling your body and you're giving your body an intellect. I call it an intellectual scaffolding so that it can communicate back with you through the language that you're choosing to communicate to it with. So whatever your chosen system is, go for it. But it's about paying attention and then having a language so that body and you can communicate in that way. That language can be herbs. That language can be sound. That language can be uh, smell. Smell. (laughs) Big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is kind of cool. So my mind, my gears are going all over the place at once. And I just want to like kind of throw a lot of the ingredients out to share. But like I'm thinking about how uh wolf and the word flow are uh, palindromes wolf and flow oh you gotta read dylan's new book dude nice nice and we're talking about the the masculine the men version of menstruation 
And so for the female, they call it their flow. And for a man, there might be a case to be made that it's much like a werewolf, that eventually Uh it might not be every moon. Maybe for you, it's every four moons. Maybe for you, it's every 70-some moons when it hits you. And when it hits you, uh, I'm pretty sure it explains a lot of unexplainable phenomenon in uh, many people's psychological ebbs and flows through life, you know? Good call, man. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. (laughs) And I know, uh, Chance, you mentioned it the other day, uh, flower being flower. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's um, an entire big section of one of the chapters of Dylan's new book that is all about the words and etymology that pertain to flow. And it's just building a foundation to see how then that is all encoded into the uh, astrotheology of the different gods how and even the names of major towns and cities like rome that it's all about strength and flow and like water symbolism and it's too much to get into and i'm still digesting it and i'll have to read it again to do the audiobook of it and take more notes but man sakoshio's new book is ridiculous and what's funny is one of my mugwort dreams had to do with him because i was reading his book before i went to bed but before we start sharing mugwort dreams, I feel like I got to give Gabe the the floor to give his experience first because it's probably going to blow all our minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe to pick up a little on off of uh, the Dylan Sokoshio thing, and I bet this is in his in his weave. But it's interesting that we're you, like you were talking about water and um, having uh, running water for the sake of hygienics. Um, but I just got to point out that the word dream in reverse is mirrored. And mirrored means shit in French or in Spanish. It's also an anagram for derma. For derma, for your skin. Interesting. So it has all this like shedding byproduct. It's the natural byproduct. The dreaming is a byproduct, even uh, much like, you know, your natural outputs. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And and hold on while I'm while I'm talking about that, because it is it's really important. And we dismiss our dreams as though it's a bunch of bullshit. That's important. That's important. That is why calling your dreams mierda is, uh, should not be dismissed so quickly. We should maybe think about the fact that that mierda is full of gems, you know, and there are yeah, certain, good fertilizer. Yeah, there are certain flowers we can take to have a better flow to our dreaming shit that we process every day. <laughs> Totally, totally. And I just have to mention, too, when you look up uh, feces in some symbolic dictionaries, they relate it to the uh, sun god. There's this whole um, underlying veiled symbolic meaning behind shit and it relating to gold. And so they even used to call some cultures used to call uh, gold nuggets the uh, shit of the sun god. Wow. That is so interesting. Without going on a whole 
Sorry. I know you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take, yeah. The, take the wheel before I start story reading paragraphs here. from Dylan's book. Story time, totally, yeah. totally. So, yeah, tell the story. Well, I think I think that I'll just put a pin in this. The feces and being the golden nuggets. Uh, I think that could tie into that uh, JFK research in a really weird way with that commercial that they posted right after the bulletin of JFK. Ooh, okay. Nescafe instant coffee is an anagram for <laughs> 15 con Satan feces. And I did, I did, it's one of my really obscure random uh, videos that I made a while ago back, but Satan is card number 15, the devil card. Uh, and this card number 15, the devil card is a bunch of people sitting down under his feet. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's even squatting like he's letting it rip. He is. He's totally letting it rip. <laughs> so yeah, the Nescafe Instant Coffee is absolutely a uh, devil card in code. But devil dookie, devil dookie. Yeah, and yep. coffee t- sometimes makes you shit. Boom. Like you drink it, and it's like boom. All right, you know we're cleansing the colon a little bit for you. So anyway, carry yep. on though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I have been strangely fascinated with absinthe for almost a year now. Um, ever since I learned that it had uh, uh, anti-parasitic properties, um, and and learning that it was ritualized, that had a, a very valuable ritual uh, back in the day. Um, you know, er, Ernest Hemingway he wrote a lovely poem about um, about absinthe. And the name is escaping me, but a lot of a lot of writers like really venerated absinthe a hundred years ago, and it seemed to be like uh, on the rise. You know, there was like this weird subculture was coming around to uh, in its own in its own day, and it turns out they uh, they assassinated it just uh just about maybe a 7 to 10 year span ahead of alcohol so absinthe was like the canary in the coal mine and it was blazing a trail for alcohol prohibition to come in right behind it and so you can actually watch the process that they did with just absinthe just just give us permission to forbid you this one thing and that blazes the trail for how they're going to forbid you from all the alcohol. And then they shut and then down. Mar- and then cannabis and then all kinds of things. Yeah. Give them an inch and they take a mile kind of thing. So that's been a really interesting and very valuable aspect of history to uh, uh, for me. And I've been like slowly adding it to my historical worldview. Um, and so absinthe was banned right around... Uh, 19, I want to say 1915. Oh man, there's the dude. <laughs> there he is. Look at that diabolical face. The guy yeah. from the Nest Cafe commercial. Thanks for the share in the call in line, Snake. Well done. Well done. So diabolical. Takes wow. two sips. Mmm. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right, Snake. <laughs> so, so yeah, the absent thing, uh, they, um, essentially, they were proposing to make it illegal. Uh, getting a lot of resistance. And so what they had to do was basically like a, uh, your standard, 
uh, crisis actor situation back in the day. They had one guy get drunk all day, drinking all day, many different drinks, but he had one drink of absinthe at the bar, went on and committed a bunch of atrocities, and they used that one story as a case to set precedence to say no more absinthe, and they shut down all the bars. Um, and in fact, what was probably happening was somebody was getting a corner on the absinthe industry, and they were taking out their their weak opposition who didn't have a good enough foothold to survive the prohibition of it. And so once they took out their competition, then they had a monopoly on all the black market absinthe, and they could market up to the top uh, is what was probably really happening. Um, so that's just been really profound to me to find out that this lovely drink that had a beautiful culture building up around it, it was in its heyday and that somebody came along and took it out and to find out that it had anti-parasitic properties has really got my conspiratorial hackles uh, up (laughs) to say the least. So uh, that whole uh, rabbit hole has been like really blossoming and yielding a lot of fruit lately in really beautiful ways. Um, So I've done some videos before about how, you know, much like turpentine, they say that turpentine has that anti-parasitic value and uh, also uh, absinthe for the very similar usage historically. Mugwort Um, does as well. Just to add. Yes. Just to add to it. Yeah. That is what is so wild. Yeah. So I had, um, I actually got my first uh, bottle of absinthe for Christmas this year, and I've been sipping it down for over the, through the months, you know, and really enjoying it. Um, and then it was about a week or two ago when um, I was preparing, getting ready for this Wizard of Oz research uh, that we were going to go in with uh, Homie Romy and put together a show on, on the Wizard of Oz. And the more I was looking at it, the more I started to realize that absinthe is encoded in the witch. The wicked witch of Oz is the green fairy of the absinthe industry. And he was writing that book right at 1900, right at the turn of the century, when the absinthe was about to hit its legal woes historically. So uh, for him to, theoretically, for him to include the Wicked Witch as a parallel to a parable, if you will, to absinthe is quite profound. It's so utterly profound because she gets taken out by a bucket of water. And And what happens when you add water to your absinthe? Loosh. Oh, yeah, sure. The wicked witch dissolving in front of our eyes as children was loose. So they call it looshing the absinthe when you add water to it, just to be clear. That was loose for that for anyone. And that's a new vocab word. Loose is a sort of conspiratorial term for having your energy siphoned in some fashion or another parasitically. Yes. And uh, so. Essentially, the ritual goes something like you put half a, you fill the glass halfway with absinthe, then you put a silver screen on top, 
You put a sugar cube on top of the silver screen and you pour a little water over the sugar cube and it, uh, the water, sugar water dilutes into the absinthe and it releases the oils. And that releasing of the oils is called luching. And this is amazing because that is essentially what happens when you go into a movie theater. You go, you sit down in this passive role, the ceremonial setting with your head tilted up at that receptive, like a bird waiting for mom to feed it. And then you give, and you give up your, your capacitance. It's your spiritual currency. Your attention is your spiritual currency. Right. And now you're agreeing to, to see, hear, and think about whatever they tell you to think about, see, and hear. And you're, meanwhile, you're eating sugar at the same time. Like the parallels between looshing your absinthe and getting looshed at a movie theater are like one-to-one, hand-to-hand. And, uh, and I'll just point out that Zuckerberg means sugar cube, basically sugar mountain. His name means sugar mountain. Um, so anyways, all of these aspects of the powerful importance of absinthe and the culture that has been kind of lost because of that prohibition uh, has been just like slowly dawning on me uh, gradually over time. And I'm down to my last, I have one more glass of absinthe in my bottle, and in my cabinet. I've been sitting on it waiting for a special occasion, you know, whatever. Um, but then I received this wonderful package in the mail. And you guys sent that package just days before. I mean, just days before I was going to do the Wizard of Oz show. And for anybody who doesn't know, I was blessed by a lovely package from Mario and Michelle. I got this wonderful book, The Zodiac and the Salts of Salvation. And I got one of Mario's correspondence charts. I got the correspondence charts, too. And I just want to say packaging on point. (laughs) Yeah. Extra bonus points for packaging. Yep. I've got my bookmark card. And I got my mugwort. And this is so amazing. Because I found. Yep. Wait, let's see. There it is. There she is. So, oh, I'll make it big. Yeah. Packaging on point. You know how it is. That's all Mario, man. (laughs) You guys make a freaking good team. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Thank you. So I started taking it right away. Like that night I took, I think I took maybe four droppers full. Okay. Yep. Going for it. Went all in. Four droppers full. All right. Okay. Maybe that's how I'm going to roll tonight. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was amazing. But because it was my first time, I would just, you know, I just went all in. And uh, I felt like I, um, my dreams went from indoor dreams to outdoor dreams instantly. I had so much expansive access uh, is, and, and lucidity like none other. And um, I felt like, a, yeah, like kind of like Neo in the Matrix where you wake up and you're like, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> For me, the colors, the sounds, the feelings, yes. all of the five senses were present in vivid detail. 
crystal like clear, really colorful. And I, I've heard people be like, Oh, you don't see color in your dreams. And I'm like, Oh, I always have, I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. this time the color was extra popping. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that was, so I took it for, I guess maybe every other night for about a week there. And it was in that time that I start, like you said, she inspires realizations and it just, it just started happening in the most amazing way. So the first was when I discovered that it is so closely related to uh, wormwood to that key to has the Tejon, like you said, did I say that right? That's probably correct. Thujon. That's probably like the uh, English (laughs) version, but yeah, you're probably closer. I'm not sure the, you know, the correct pronunciation, but that'd be good to know though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had that realization after taking it, uh, that it is so closely related to the key ingredients to absinthe. And this absolutely <laughs> blew my mind. Absolutely. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> because I had been studying absinthe for so long, it was culminating into this Wizard of Oz research that I was doing in real time. Uh, and you had just like, found me with my, like, I'm at the bottom of my supply, and you re-upped me all over again. <laughs> it was amazing. So I, I'm looking up mugwort, and I see that it's it's a scientific Latin name is Artemisia. And this just hit me like a brick in the face. I'm quite convinced now that the 14th tarot card of the Thoth tarot deck that he changed from temperance, which generally historically means not drinking alcohol. He changed it to art. And now I am quite convinced that this wonderful tarot card is a goddess generating absinthe. I think she's making Artemisia. I think this card represents mugwort. Gabe, that's freaking awesome. This is this is super freaking cool. Isn't I'm that it. Gra- strangely gratifying? Yeah, I love it is. That. Wow, I know. I remember you bringing this up in it was a chat somewhere where we were talking about this, and you bringing the correlation to the art card, and I'm like, oh snap! I've never thought about that. Yes, right? I love and, it. And so this uh, temperance card here with the tree of life that I brought, I just you know that was just a random search, and that popped up like one of the top images for the temperance card. And I look at the leaves on that temperance card and I look at the leaves on Artemisia and those, you know, it's even got those little yellow flowers. In yep. it. I'm quite convinced that we have a, a powerful correspondence between card number 14 and the mugwort. Well, and I, I want to throw in some quick art notes with that too. Um, because part of the reason I suggested that you look at the Thoth was because of its Art Deco vibe, right? And here's the thing with Absinthe, Art Nouveau movement, which is yes. so floral. It is so beautiful. And it inspired so many artists at that time. It was big in Bohemian circles. So I think that's a really beautiful connection that it wow. has. 
Wow. That's awesome. That's an excellent point. And actually, we've been looking at Art Nouveau stuff recently because I'm doing a project for a friend of ours and uh, she wants it to be Art Nouveau inspired. And so she let me borrow a book with all sorts of artwork and whatever. And it just like re uh, kind of like was introduced to me. And I have like this whole new appreciation. I've always really appreciated it and liked it. But man, it really is timeless and classic, dude. There's so much to like about it. So anyways, but Gabe, really good point, man. That's fascinating. I love all that. And, and oh, there I you love go. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a great card. Wow. I love that this gives us a little opportunity to like step back in time. You know, you could almost think of it as like absinthe was a time capsule. And by making it illegal for 100 years, it gives us an excuse to to take our mentality and and go back to where we were 100 years ago and what got us here at that turn of the century. And so I, I like to think of it as like a beautiful time capsule that draws our attention back to what the cultural nuance of decision making back then would have been based upon. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think it also could be connected with the art card and Artemisia and Mugwort and Wormwood, it's like our dreams, the transformation that happens from the art card and she's in the cauldron and she's mixing and the transformation that can come from tapping into our dreams. We're like, have like our own, like, alchemical cauldron in the subconscious going on when we're dreaming because it's mixing all of these things you know how many times you have a dream where it's like wow I haven't thought about that person in forever but they were there and then there's this element of this and that and the other thing so I think your connection with that card is like it that is spot on I really think you're onto something I love it love it love it yeah thank you yeah I'm I'm still kind of like it's it's hard to convey. I mean, I, it's great that I have you guys who understand how I think. So it makes it easy to convey this information, but it would be so difficult to just to explain this line of reasoning uh, to anybody else. So I'm really grateful to have. I just did a quick Google image search of Alphonse Mucha, who's like the Art Nouveau guy, right? With okay. absinthe in the terminology. And I found a lot of stuff. No kidding. Yeah, so you're there is definitely a correlation here. Yeah. yeah, that's a gorgeous illustration. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, I love me some Muka. It you makes know, me want to look up too if uh, Artemis has a relationship with Mugwort. It does. She does. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. Artemisia okay. is the name. Oh, you yeah. mean like yeah. cor- correspondence in his, in mythology? Yes, it, yeah. it, would, it has to because the Temperance card is in Sagittarius. Yes, is, God, goddess exactly, of the hunt. Right. Yep, that's she's actually in my notes. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, the Artemis, um, Artemisia uh, connection. And nice. she was the goddess that she protected her own chastity and the chastity of other women. And so that protective nature of her, and she's like a kind of like a protector of the forest creatures and this sort Didn't of. Did she thing. have dogs that she would stick on people, which are wolves? <laughs> Flow. <laughs> yeah, I believe nice. so. Oh yeah, there you go. That is interesting. Wow. Uh, I love how you talk about Mugwort and describe her qualities 
because I'm also hearing you describe the crone. And for people who are not familiar with the crone, go back and listen to Michelle's description of Mugwort. Because the crone, when you're talking about the Wicked Witch, she's been vilified and made ugly. The Green Woman of the West is this devil thing. And it's a terrifying aspect of the feminine because she has so much knowledge. You know, and it's it does it does remind us of our phases and going in and out. Like you said, you know, you don't always interact with this medicine. It's just when you when you need to. And it's a good lesson in that kind of um, self-control, but also just doing things intuitively. You know, and that's a big lesson. And I think when we're talking about things like muggles, um, those are the teachers. You know, your crones are the teachers. And they usher you in and they teach you how to how to monitor yourself, not really monitor yourself. That's not really the right word, but, you know, kind of gain that self-mastery. I totally agree. And one of the nicknames for mugwort uh, is cronewort. Some people will call it cronewort. And when I heard that handful of years ago, I was like, whoa, that's that's awesome. So, I mean, and the word wart basically just means plant or herb. So just for anybody who's like, what's all these warts, you know, because uh, that that was one of the things I wanted to know. I'm like, oh, there's quite a bit of warts. What does that mean? But it's basically just plant or herb. But yes, the crone, she comes through wisdom. <laughs> Makes me think of the dual nature of a lot of these god goddesses that come as a combo pack or like, OK, so I'm thinking right now of the original green man, Osiris. but when you get into studying it, you can see that it's like a, he's part of a Trinity that has a mother, father, son thing going on. And Osiris also was called Osir and Isis was called Oset. So like phonetically, there's a big similarity there. I wonder if there is any ancient or original depictions of Isis showing her as green because Osiris was green. Yeah, and also uh, L. Frank Baum, his last name Baum is the embalmed one would be green as well. Oh, nice. All right, Gabe, do you want to tell us about like your actual dream story? Because wasn't there something that became verifiable information in real life? Oh, yeah, this is a great story. Um, I think... I can just play. So, uh, so last week, a week ago today, we were having a vibrant with uh, Chance and Mario and Elsie King and I, um, and it was kind of neat because it was like a global, a global weave, you know, with Elsie down there in Australia. Um, so that night, I took some of my lovely mugwort and went to sleep and had vast dreams. That's the best way I can describe it is vast is the perfect word to summarize it. And, um, and I woke up in the morning, couldn't really remember all the details of everything, but it was like some heavy dream work and going on that night. And then I got a message in the telegram and it was from one of our lovely viewers, uh, from Dublin, Ireland, uh, Shireen, Stapleton is her name and I invited her on tonight but it's like the butt crack of the morning right now 
for for her, so she couldn't she couldn't quite make it. But she gave me permission to tell the story and to share uh, this this lovely uh, exchange that we had. So apparently that night, a week ago, uh, tripping on some mugwort, I astral traveled to Dublin, Ireland, <laughs> and uh, and visited our lovely friend uh, Shireen. And she, uh, she, and she left me this message. We had some correspondence the next day. And I'm just going to try to press play and see if it uh, comes through. You guys tell me how this, how this translates here. Oh. It, so, if you forward it to me on Telegram, I can definitely make sure it plays well. Okay, let me try doing that. Or um, forward it to the Vibrant call-in line, if that's, since it's going to be public anyway. Whatever works, I'll watch out. She has a fabulous accent. I'm very excited for us, for you guys to hear her voice. She has a great accent. Um, I, I am too. I love Irish accents. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And Do- Dublin uh, specifically was brought up briefly in that show. It was the Spire. Yeah. And the Hellfire Club. You guys talked was about it. Oh that up. my yeah. gosh. That's cool. I'm going to, now I have to go back and watch it all over again. I'm going to send it straight to you, Chance. I'm going to have to watch it over and see it. Uh, what we were saying about Dublin. That's way cool. Yeah, there's like a needle in the middle of town and it's like their city center. Thing okay, you guys hard. just keep keep it going and I will set this up so that the volume is all leveled properly. There's four short messages here, so give me a sec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, please. We were talking about their obelisk. Yeah, basically. So we were in Dublin and we were walking around and there's this huge needle you can see from pretty far distances actually and it turns out that this needle spire was like their city center obelisk and i was talking about polar symbolism and how different towns and um, regions and what have you have like their sacred center that they mark and then we went to the hellfire club which is like right outside of dublin and would you know it like the front of the hellfire club which benjamin franklin was a part of uh right (laughs) And if Jim were here, you know, I wish he were here so he could say his. Catch- he is here, <laughs> but I'll say it for him. <laughs> Fuck you, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, funny enough, the Hellfire Club, and this is all thanks to our visit there, um, was due to Thomas Sheridan. He has this like occult Dublin video, and it really shaped our trip. It was amazing. And uh, the front of the Hellfire Club faces that spire. And so I can't help but think it's some sort of like geomancy sort Big of thing, time. right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I thought that was interesting for sure. That is amazing that we were talking about that location. I didn't even remember that. See, the, this is, these are the things your subconscious is capable of. Picking up on that conversation, going to it while you're sleeping, coming back, and you have no idea what your own little mischievous self has been up to (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yes so she uh she left these messages and they're they are accurate on many layers and many levels so i gave her a message in her in our sleep and she contacted me the next day to relay the message back to me and it is so accurate uh like spiritually metaphorically and coincidentally, uh, I have got them ready now. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Just fire away on those voice messages. These are great. Okay. So about a minute and 20 seconds, maybe less than that. So not too long. Here we go. Okay. 
So Gabriel, um, sometimes um, in the energy field, we actually give somebody else a message to relay back to us. In other words, we mirror a message to somebody who can translate it. In this case, that's me. So it's more like um, a message. That's why I felt responsible to send it to you. So what uh, you showed me was that there's a part of your life that um, you're having some a little bit of struggle with because it was to do with your legs. Um, but I can tell you now that you're going to overcome this obstacle and you're going to overcome it and shock yourself doing it. You managed to master walking around on stumped legs like you had no knees whatsoever and you were wearing red and red represents passion and it can represent anger. But I reckon I reckon in this dream it's more to do with something you're very passionate about and perhaps it's it's kind of hidden from people. It's something you keep to yourself. You're not really ready to show, but you're getting ready to show what it is. Also, um, the sun was very bright. I believe you're a Leo, if I'm correct. If I'm not, correct me. <laughs> if you are, you're a shy Leo, if I'm right. <laughs> okay, so the, that's that. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Oh, nice. That is really cool. So that was awesome. Mario? I got chills hearing that. Like, my scalp is like vibing. <laughs> anyway, that's good stuff. Yes. So she is quite on point about um, in just in a few different ways. For uh, for one, I, I actually my uh, my car, which is red, is uh, having a hard time right now. It's actually uh, having some hydraulic issues. It bottoms out on uh, if I hit bumps too hard. So it's actually like literally riding way too low, much like she said. So I, I do have a vehicle that is having a hard time right now and is uh, getting around, and it is red, much like she said I was dressed in red, uh, and that sh- uh, is probably going to be up and running very soon, and I can't wait. I'm so excited to be back on the road again. Um, but this is really uh, remarkable is that only an hour before she had sent these messages to me, I had just randomly snapped this picture that morning uh, and it's from an animal tarot card uh, that I forget who was sharing this. I totally forget where I accessed this image, but I had just snapped this picture an hour before she sent that message about me wearing red, uh, crawling around on my knees in a bright sunny day and that she gets the impression I'm a Leo. And that image was the last picture I had taken before I even talked to her. Isn't that a trip? Beautiful. Yeah, the card man. is about stepping into your leadership role. So like, that. don't be shy. She caught <laughs> yeah. onto that too. I love that artwork. You know, when she mentioned the knees, uh, I believe she said like you were cut off at the knees and uh, that represents Capricorn. The knees represent Capricorn, right? And then it just reminds me of the conversation that's been brought up a few times regarding uh, Saturn, which rules Capricorn, cutting uh, Mercury at the legs. Nice. So just a, just a weave that I thought I'd throw in there. But that whole Excellent. thing, man, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thank I'm, you. 
I'm super thrilled and I'm so touched. It's like Michelle blessed me with this magical herb just in time for me to realize what it really is. And then while I'm on it, this shaman from Ireland tells me that I'm visiting her in the night. Oh, it's too magical. I just can't. I, I can't believe that I can't believe it. <laughs> Someone pinch me. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Well, I'm going to save it, but I've got a a funny dream, a couple, at least a couple of dreams that are worth sharing from the mugwort. But I want to uh, let Rachel bring us her tea trip, tea tick tips, yeah. trips. <laughs> yes, all of those. All of the above. <laughs> Teeing you up, Rachel. Sweet. Yeah, um, I knew we'd be talking about mugwort, so I pulled some information. And I've mentioned how to make crystal teas, but I thought I would actually share the process because it is kind of a sacred process and it's something that you can personalize like really well. This is a different aspect of correspondence. I love that. Um, So I chose a couple things mostly um, that are easy to find for people because that was something that I was dealing with when I started doing this was what's in my budget, you know, what can I go get, you know, what's available. So crystals are really great to use with dreams because they do kind of help um, hone in frequencies, like draw in specific frequencies and help with different things. So there's so many that you can use. Um, Even just looking through the book that I have, which is the crystal Bible, I think that's what it's called or the stone Bible or something silly, but um, there's, there are a lot of different ones that you can use. And I personally used a lot that are more based on your third eye. Um, So that's, you know, different things, but let's see here. So you can work with specific colors is one thing that you can do if you are. And I, I picked this so that you can choose any tea and add mugwort to it. Like you can put the tincture in if you want and take it on the side. But mostly these are also helping support your organs while you do this, do this kind of work. Um, so one of the ones that I chose was calcite. Because calcite is really gentle, but it's also very clear. So it's insight, clarity, manifestation, uh, forgiveness, the elements of fire and wind, and it kind of helps all your chakras. Okay, so when you're having dreams, um, this is going to help them get to be more clear, detailed, and vivid. So essentially, and this is all research you do beforehand, before you make the water. So I'll tell you how to make the water, but this is all stuff that you you need to look into, be conscious of, and do intentionally. But so it it does do. Um, Fire and wind. So fire is your heart. It's also intestines, blood vessels, um, depression, anxiety. Wind in medicine is actually the metal element. So that's your lungs and the large intestine, your skin, mucus, things like grief and sadness. So something that you can also do is work with polarities to balance this out. And I would do jet. Something like jet is very effective, but it's also gentle. Something like obsidian is going to be really intense, and I would probably be very careful doing that Um, (laughs) just from experience. So jet is protective. um, It's purifying. It's grounding. It's also the earth. So it's going to be really 
extra grounding for you. It handles the spleen, stomach, uh, muscles, speech, worry, love, and compassion. So this also helps that release and that healing. So to make these teas, you want to choose things that go along with those those organs. So I would pick things like peppermint, um, things for stomach and in, intestines, um, chamomile if you're trying to sleep. Because, it's you know, green tea would be great, but it's going to keep you awake. <laughs> um, something like licorice, marshmallow for throat and breathing. Um, also introducing positive moisture because some teas can be very drying. So those are something you'd want to use. Um, so to make these, you essentially want to get pure water. It doesn't matter what kind, whatever you want to use, as long as it's pure. And use, okay, so you want to put it in a crystal or like a, a glass. Um, I usually just use a measuring cup with however much tea I'm going to make. So you can make a couple cups. You can just make one. And I usually do the glass in a glass method. So I'll put a little cup within it with my crystals because some stones and crystals do not like to get wet. And you can use your intuition on that. Some of them I'm like, are you finding water? And they're like, whatever, just throw me in. And some of them are like, do not. <laughs> You'll get a vibe. <laughs> but um, so that's usually what I do is just do a crystal within a glass, within another glass. The energies yeah, will don't get through. your selenite wet. It does not want to be wet. <laughs> Unless you're alanmarcus.com and it somehow <laughs> stays alive. <laughs> but um, so you'll cover it. And the best thing to do is put it in the sun for about an hour or two. Um, and just a few notes on using sun energy. And you can use moon energy if you want. Um, but be mindful of what's going on in the sky. You can make these with tropical seasonal intentions, absolutely. But we're working with the actual energy and vibration. So be mindful of where things are actually in the sky to help you with those intentions. So one of the biggest examples I have is from an eclipse that happened last summer. Everybody's like, it's in Sagittarius, it's in Sagittarius. And I'm like, it's actually in Scorpio. So when I made the water, I had the intention of both in mind. Because it's like, okay, I'm going to be dealing with this on a personal, intimate level, as is everyone else, actually. But we're all etherically up here in Sag. So we're putting that out into the ether, too. So it's good to be mindful of both. And just think about that if you're going to be using, you know, moon water or something, um, especially the moon. But you can just put these in the sun. Um, it's going to... I mean, you can put it in for as long as you want. I usually just do an hour, maybe more. It just depends. But then you want to make your tea with that water. So I usually just pour my tea in a pot, um, stand over it and kind of bless it <laughs> and just like really make it intentionally. I don't just like let it boil and leave it like this is a, a deep medicine and this is a very deep cleanse. So then you let your tea steep in that water and just understand that all of, you know, all of this vibration is assisting you and assisting those processes. When you use these medicines, these plant medicines, they're doing the same thing. You know, that's why I would choose something like, um, like chamomile, you know, if I'm going to sleep, because I want to support my body in that time. When you were saying mugwort can heat you up, I'd probably choose something that's going to balance that out and kind of cool it down a little, introduce those types of types of things. And you can do this 
Um, I like doing polarities. So you could use like a blue calcite, but maybe balance it out with like a yellow stone, like a citrine or something. So you want to work with complementary colors, reds and greens, because that's also how our chakras work too. So that's just how you do it and all the intentions that you can put in. And all those correspondences are incredibly important. And you can, I don't know, you can really personalize it. And understand that depending on the the stones you choose, you're in for a very deep process. But these allies are gentle. And they make those processes easier to comprehend. It's like when you have clear dreams, it's clear manifestation. That's what dreams are for. You know, people are trying to lucid dream, but you also have to bring it out into the material world. So that's why you can do things like visualizing a rune in your water. Like really get your mind to see it. Really get your eyes to see it. Practice lucid dreaming in lucid life. <laughs> I love all this. And uh, the, the fact about correspondences is so key. Like I'll give the example here. I could use a 528 fork for the entire process of sound balancing somebody. but having the idea that 369 correspond or 396 corresponds to root up to, you know, 852 corresponding to uh, third eye, that gives me the confidence boost that I, that is really helpful that like I'm doing this specific thing now with this specific tool. And I believe the same goes for any level of correspondence knowledge that having that knowledge and then applying it is part of, almost like placeboing your mind and your, your belief power to be that much more potent. And not that the correspondences don't have a reason. I mean, there's a vibrational reason too. Uh, so there's like a lot of layers to why these symbolic studies, <laughs> thanks Mario, are so dang helpful for all levels of life. I love all the tea gnosis you just spilled all over us. Well, I do want to add too that what you're also doing I'm glad you mentioned sound because that's a big aspect of the healing that I was doing with all this in tandem. But what you're actually doing with this process too is not only incorporating medicine in like the physical sense, you're bringing light into your body and like actual light color frequency into somewhere that you can't see. And that's really powerful too is, you know, visualizing it is one thing, but you're actually devouring light in a sense. Sure. Yeah, that's great. I, I have to recommend, I know Michelle brought it up earlier, but uh, Chance's chat with Balderson recently was really excellent. And I think people should check it out because it was just a fantastic presentation. So um, Chance, you did a great job. And that came for us at like the perfect time. And so anyways, and since I'm talking about Chance, I just have to say, this guy is a treasure. Yeah. So anyone who's listening, seriously, like you just deserve all the support, dude. And uh, like you continually impress me and uh, your insights and knowledge and patience and stuff uh, is really, really valuable. And I know I said it in the little note, but I want to say it publicly. But uh, you bring out the best in people, dude. And so it's really cool to know you. And uh, I just feel like it needs to be said more often. I know you've got a lot of people out there that appreciate your work or whatever, but uh, I just feel yeah, like I need man. to say that. Here, here. Yes. Absolutely. I second that as well. So good stuff. And thank go. you, Rachel. That was awesome. <laughs>
Yeah, I love that, Rachel. And it it's like, uh, yeah, that is, I just love the whole, the whole like system of that is healing in and of itself. Just taking the time to have that intention and then the stones and the tea and you're just getting healing on every single level. And I think it's beautiful that you do that. I'm really happy to know that that's something that's in your wheelhouse because that's like, that's powerful, potent medicine. So thanks for sharing. And I'm pretty convinced now at this point that we all need to like get together and have like some healing retreat or like something, uh, you know, we do some kind of just something together because with all of our powers combined, I mean, wow, I mean, we can move mountains. We can do that, you know, from wherever, but it just, I, the more I get to know all of you guys and how welcoming everybody has been and just feeling so much resonance with people and the conversations and the questions and the sharing has been so refreshing and healing and exciting. And I just, I wanted to make sure I said that. And I wanted to also thank all the people that have either purchased Mugwort or I've given it to, or I will be giving, giving it to, because you guys have also helped me to just deepen my relationship with her. And that's one of the beautiful things, too, that I really have noticed just hearing all your stories and sharing it and being excited to share it and everything else. So thank you. And yeah, just lovely times. So we're very grateful. Yeah, very, very, very. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Y'all are the best, all of you and everybody here and everyone that we have these that we share these vibrants and weaves and podcast episodes with. Uh one, I, I give thanks to my meals and to my water. That's like my main gratitude practice to make sure I'm doing it daily somewhere. But man, every day it is so easy to remember to give thanks that I get to live the life that I chose. Yeah. And, you know, it was a journey to get here and it took a while to make all the connections and the ser- serendipitous potential of knowing each and every one of you and more to come. But feels like the beginning of some great things. And also, I think your friend, my friend Steve from P- Steven PDX is his handle, invited me out in September to go see some weird concert with you guys. So uh, oh. I'm, gonna, I'm intending to do that. So there will be at least a time to meet up there and maybe spend some time hanging out. Uh, maybe I'll do a, a vibrant from your, <laughs> if we can stand next to each other. <laughs> from oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome, man. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to that. I hope it works out. Now, I'm not trying to rush us off the air unless anyone needs to go, but I do want to, I, I want to share my mugwort stories. But before that, well, we've got still a lot of people with us. Michelle, how do people go about actually getting your herbs? I'm going to screen share over to your website, but, you know, I don't see exactly like a shop tab. So what is the exact methodology that they can be in touch with your herbs? Are these things that are offered as you make them and there's not a, a, a consistent stock necessarily, but it's like rotating? Yes, totally. So yeah, no shop. Um, The shop goes through me. I just do all my sales directly, like through email and that kind of thing. Um, But my newsletter is the best way because the newsletter is where each product comes out. So once every month on the full moon, I release my full moon offerings newsletter and I make small batch remedies. So uh, like typically, you know, anywhere from like four to... 10, 12 units will be available. Um, So it's kind of like a get it when you can sort of thing. 
Um, but yeah, that I've been doing the newsletter for a little over a year and it's been working out well. I really like it. And actually we had this idea, Mario had this idea of me to maybe doing something like that, just offering like one product every month years ago. And then it just finally started, you know, naturally occurring. So you can go to my website and you can sign up for the newsletter there. Um, and even if you aren't a member or sign up for the newsletter, you could always just email me. So it's Michelle's healing home at gmail.com. And typically I'll have like things from the newsletter available still. And you can also just go on to my website and see an archive of the newsletter, which then will show you each product that I have. And so one of the things I do is I'll offer the offering for the month, but then I have past moon offerings that are also in the newsletter. So you can see like what I still have available and all that sort of stuff. So that's the best way to find out what I'm doing. And you can follow me on Instagram because I always post what I'm, uh, what I'm doing. And typically I uh, also share all the recipes or the remedy that I'm offering. Because one of the things I love about this work and the thing that just keeps me motivated is I love teaching and sharing and learning from other people. So I want to give people that encouragement or that spark to realize that they can make it too on their own because herbal medicine is very simple. Usually it's, um, does it's very minimal ingredients, um, easy to do. So, uh, just, you know, being able to share that as well is very important with me or to me. Um, yeah. And also, uh, for, I'm going to be offering a PDF download of my mugwort essentials class, uh, that I wrote. Um, I wrote and taught this class. Actually, it was the last class I taught right before the pandemic shut everything down. So it was in 2020. Um, and so, and then it's actually the first class that I'm now re-releasing, which I thought was kind of interesting how it's coming full circle again. So you can go to my website under the class tab and for the next 24 hours, you can download that class for free. And in that class, I go through all sorts of information on mugwort medicinally, magically. And then I share with you how to make your own tincture how to make your own uh, infused anointing oil, and then how to also make an herbal infusion with mugwort, which you could drink, but you can also use it to like cleanse crystals or divination tools or your body or your hair. Um, so yeah, go, so go on to my website and you can download that. And it's uh, really great. I, I just, I love the class and I love sharing the information. So that'll be up for everybody to to take and you can just download it and print it out. I am now subscribed to your newsletter. Very awesome. Uh, thank you, Chance. Awesome. Happy Can't to wait. have you. <laughs> uh, when I hear about that pine pollen coming out, I'm going to be snapping it up because I don't just want any pine pollen. I want the kind infused with the Michelle intention and the Mario branding. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be Mario intention in that one too. Cause we actually, we harvested that just on the, actually from the mountain that we live at the base of. So it's very special pine pollen. I love you very guys. Special. Yeah. So thanks also to crab apple and uh, Debbie for the tips on Rockfin. Now I got to tee up Rachel again, because we're going to share a few more mugwort dreams. And I know birthday birthday girl might have to skedaddle soon to go have fun. So what's your story that you had on deck? It's short, um, but this is like one of the second times that I've had, I've done something intentionally um, that has to do with either protection or dream state and had a really 
clear, huge thing. Um, so this time when I started taking the mugwort, like it did have a lot of really good physical effects, which I told you like no headaches or cramps or anything like that, which was great. So I could actually sleep. Right. So I had this crazy kind of ancestral dream where I was being guided towards different points. And at first it was very symbolic with like unlocking keys at a museum and some things were locked and some things were not. Um, but then chocolate, a certain brand of chocolate was supposed to be <laughs> what I was going to look at. But when it was funny because when I looked at this chocolate bar, um, which was Swedish, <laughs> it took me to a map. I was actually shown a map with very specific names, um, which gave me a time frame. And it gave me um, regions with like family crest symbols. It was super wild. And I, yeah, I've seen Family Crest twice now. I had a nap dream with like Family Crest and I'm struggling to find them um, in real life, but the symbols were incredibly specific. Like out of the whole region, you know, there were all these animals, but like this one was the only one that was like a shape. And the area that was Denmark actually said Saxon over it. So that's the time period is when Denmark was actually Saxon. <laughs> so it's it's wild it's that kind of stuff that it's it's incredibly detailed and it's very specific like you need to look here because earlier i had been getting prompts for the ermine soul um, which is a saxon type of thing oh see yeah there we go nice. nice so it's just that's the kind of stuff that can happen too <laughs> but it was okay. so cool <laughs> oh my gosh I've got to say something I can't hold it in I'm about Do to it. <laughs> Guys, I love when you get all excited like that and I like yeah, to just man. make I, I like to just get in front of it and just almost build up the pressure on you <laughs> no go ahead this is so cool Rachel that is such a cool uh, story um this is great. So I'm seeing a theme developed here over the past two hours. So if mugwort corresponds with the temperance card, that corresponds with Sagittarius, that corresponds with the centaur, who is the master of the maze, it is amazing that we are receiving these riddles, these puzzles, these curious connections that seem to be leading us on a wonderful adventure. And I got that one for you. What's that? I got one for you. So, right. uh, okay, so we all know about the Hagia Sophia, right? HG. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, that means wise serpent, actually, or wise savior. But mm. the aspirate of H in many languages gets replaced to the S aspirate. So hag becomes sag, which is the root of sage. Beautiful. Ooh, nice. I so love the that. hag and the, the sage are actually etymologically practically the same word. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I Dude, love Rachel, it. And that's Thank where you. my midheaven is and Neptune. <laughs> Ooh, nice. 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 <laughs> So thank yeah. you for sharing your dream. That's awesome. I love it. My first yeah, mugwort guys. dream also involved the bearing of arms, just not family crests. 
<laughs> Not these arms, no. Uh, so. <laughs> okay, so my first night on the mugwort, I had a dream where I was in these like ancient ruins, but they were exposed to the air. It was almost like it had been dug out recently. And within this place were all these terracotta warriors. And one of these terracotta warriors like came to life, but I don't think it was one of the warriors. It was like some kind of ancient, terrible deity that was uncovered here and was for some reason, I'm doing my best to remember. And so some of this is ad-libbing to just try to make sense of it. Uh, but this being was like going to be unleashed, unleashed on the world, unleashed, <laughs> unleashed on the world to destroy it. And he looked like a terracotta warrior, except he was like mottled green, brown tinted with his skin, like dirty and uh, had had the armor of like a samurai terracotta warrior thing going on. And myself and many other spiders were there to stop him from getting out. And I can't tell you which spiders it was. I just know that it was like people from my main crew. (laughs) And I feel like for sure Jim was one of them, like he was my wingman. Anyway, because Jim has been a wingman to me in dreams before where we had to fight crazy squid faced pirates and Cthulhu's and whatnot. So <laughs> he's good for that type of thing. Anyway, or Benjamin Franklin's, what have you. So anyway, uh, we had samurai swords and we were trying to stop this guy. And me and Jim both uh, came at him at the same time. We're like, OK, we're going to end this right now. And we chopped his head off. But then with his head still removed the body continued to come at us and took Jim out. He got stabbed. (laughs) And I don't know if he was muerto or what, but (laughs) then as um, we started to like, try to flee the scene and regroup and try to figure out what to do next. Then Gabriel shows up, except this wasn't slick dissonant. This was slick antagonist. He was actually a bad guy in this dream. And he was much, much younger he looked like a 21-year-old Gabe, very slick, very slick. And he had like a blue, he had a white with blue trim kimono, like a, a samurai, not in his armor. And he was laughing and playfully and deftly deflecting all of our blows, but also keeping us from leaving. And I mean, we were coming at him from all directions and he was just like, ching, 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 ching. And we couldn't touch him. And I don't really know where the dream ended from there, but that was... My that was like the extent of my memory of it. Wow, that's awesome, dude. Uh, similar, oh, no, I do remember. I do remember. Before. There's one other part. There was a a snake that was an evil snake that was part of the adventure, and Jenny B was there, but she was also a snake, but she was a good snake, and she was yellow or like orange and blue, and she got all tangled up with the other snake and was like fucking it up and uh, helping us out. But I got the impression she could transform back. And that was just her power in this dream that she could become this badass magic snake. That was also in the dream. There's probably more. Nice. I'm sure there is. Um, But on our end, you guys have been popping up in our dreams as well. And so it's just like a thing now where I'm not surprised when one of the spiders or interverse crew people is just totally doing wild stuff with me in the dream world. So it's interesting how that's working out. Well, and you had a, a mugwort experience too. Yeah. yeah. Have you started, have you started your mugwort? Right. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so my first night, because I hadn't taken it actually, I don't think in years. Um, but with all of this kind of coming around and Michelle sending it out, I wanted to give it a shot. And um, before I even fell asleep, I started just going into this zone. And somebody said it here that they have mild psychedelic sort of like experiences with mugwort. And I just started focusing on this light that was kind of shimmering and doing its thing and whatever. And then I did fall asleep and I had dreams and what have you. And in the morning, I asked Michelle, I'm like, does this do anything to your third eye or has anybody talked about that? And she said that she's aware of an herbalist who will put, you know, oil or what have you <laughs> nice uh, on their third eye area and that uh, some people work with it that way. So for me, it definitely did something in that regard. So kind of a trippy sort of experience. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try applying the mugwort to my third eye and not just ingesting it because some people just carry herbs around that with them and use tap into them that way. They are vibrational energy without needing to be ingested. That's a amazing potential of them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, the herbalist, her name is Robin Rose Burnett. And so she talks about one of her methods working with mugwort for meditation is to take a leaf and just put it on her third eye. And that it helps you to tap into the third eye, but then also like all the, all those kind of like dreams and visions that you have for yourself that kind of lie in that area. The mugwort helps you to kind of, to, to bring them forth, bring forth those dreams. I just had a, a whole new idea on potential use for mugwort. What if you took your pillowcase and uh, did like a hand washing and one, like once it's clean, then you put it in water that is mugwort enriched water. And then when you're breathing the fumes of your pillowcase, you're even catching the essence of the mugwort. Yes, totally. And that was one of the traditional uh, practices with mugwort was to make a dream pillow or to put the actual. Yeah. See, when you said I'm like, you're on it, man, uh, to actually take the plant itself and put it in your pillow t- case or under the pillowcase. And it was thought that the scent of the mugwort was actually the thing that was stimulating the brain in order to induce the dreams. And I got that. from. Now we're back uh, to full circle. John the Baptist putting mugwort in his shoes. Yes. And having it there like on On his his souls to maybe smell or on his souls. Right. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That is awesome. And you know what? There was a hanging Chad that I wasn't going to bring back in, but we brought St. John's wort back to the convo, and you said that's an August herb, right? Yep. Well, so, it's, it's of the uh, summer solstice is when it's like really in bloom, and okay. the, but um, it's ruled by uh, Leo. Leo? Yeah. So John the Baptist was decapitated a couple days after Vulcanalia at the end of August on the 29th. Oh, nice. So that is just interesting that it's got that August correspondence. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Exactly. You know, something else, uh, maybe we could chat about this another time, but Michelle's worked with placenta a couple times. Oh, yeah. And so, and I know for you guys, that's been a weave for a very long time. And so... You waited all this time? (laughs) I got to also real quick just throw in the point that the uh, adversary to Aquarius and and John is Aquarius is Leo. Ooh, that's oppositional right on. on the zodiac zodiacal exactly. wheel. Polarity. 
Oh, but something I, I have to go, but I want to throw this in about John the Baptist. Cause while we're talking about this, um, I like that he's kind of like the setup for Christ, right? He's the prophet that speaks out and he's this herbalist and whatever. That's like the first man is totally connected and living off the land. It's that Uru's energy, that abundance that, I mean, that's like, Hey guys, this is what it looks like to be God. And now you're going to get the example that you need to get there (laughs) for your mental (laughs) stuff. So I think that's kind of cool about him, but I love that you called him the first man because he's, yeah. he's he's number one. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of placentas like and wands, our friend Juan had his second homunculus. I believe he pooped it Ooh. out today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think it was today, Juan. but like congratulations within the last couple of days. Yes, Matt. Congrats, Happy homunculus Juan. day one. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, I'm so glad you joined us. Thank you so much for taking time on your birthday and everything. Value your opinion and your insights, your wisdom. Super felt very nice to have you in the chat with us. Love it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure being with you and hearing what you have to say about this subject because it's one of my favorites and you're so connected with it. It's amazing. So mutual uh, thank you. honors the same. <laughs> We love you, Rachel. Right. Happy love birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. Educational flow state. Wow. Thanks. Or a vibrant, whatever this is. We're yeah. one, of those, one of those shows we do. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Good night. All right. Good night, Rachel. But I had placenta. I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the things I told Mario. I want to talk about placenta stuff, but I know we've been going for a while, so we can, you know, we can weave and talk. Uh, you know, well, we better, we can't leave. This, this is a dangling Chad. You can't okay, leave. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up soon and then we'll go hang over on flow state on the weaving spiders. Welcome channel. If anyone's new around here, right after vibrant, we kick off a casual fun stream where we create art and read to each other and uh, talk about all the things on the weaving spiders. Welcome YouTube channel. There is a link in the description to this show to that YouTube channel. So if you are, interested in continuing the party then head over there it gets even wilder yes nice. after this not yet wait (laughs) yeah so i definitely have worked with placentas and helped my friend um i well i encapsulated them for her so she could take them postpartum and it was an incredibly powerful experience and there is just some amazing energy in that whole thing that's going on. And I mean, I was there for her home birth. So it was the first time I'd ever seen anyone go into labor, all of it. It was all very first time. And so, I mean, just watching the whole process happen and um, the total opposite way that it's held, it's taken care of in a home versus in a hospital and how the placenta is like basically kind of like ripped out or forced out of the mother versus watching this happen in a home birth. Joanna is her name. She was holding her baby and the placenta was still inside of her cord connected for at least a half an hour. So all of the cord blood can be transferred to the mother or transferred to the baby as much as possible. Um, And then just holding the placenta in my hands. um, 
I don't even really have words to describe it because it was just so powerful and seeing what it is and how like you have this, I mean, it almost looks kind of like alien, like, but it's just veiny and the veins are just so like strong and they're almost like popping almost out of the thing. And then, um, there's like a sack that's attached to part of the placenta that that's the sack that the baby's held in, you know? And so, um, my process for it was I took the placenta and I steamed it. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. Some people do it raw. You can literally like drink it in a smoothie. Um, but the process I did was a a gentle steam process and I used nettle and ginger and I steamed it and I dehydrated it and I sliced it and I ground it up and I used an encapsulating, you know, pill maker to encapsulate them for her. And she said that the difference between not consuming the placenta and consuming the placenta birth to birth was just like night and day. And her recovery was so much faster. Uh, The baby was so much healthier and um, there is just something to it. And so there's a reason why they take that away from the mom and the baby, because there's a lot going on, whatever they do with them, you know, whether it's cosmetics or. They do a lot of cells. stuff with it. Yeah, totally. All nefarious, I mean, all totally nefarious shit. Exactly. And it's like that is supposed to be with the mom and with the baby. That is sacred. And so the fact that they strip that from from both of them is it's I mean, it's black magic like that is it's satanic and it's just crazy. And yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I just yeah, I wanted to share that with you guys um, because it's something special. And um, I for a while after I did that, you know, uh, I, I kind of toyed with the idea of even becoming like a midwife or doula because I was just so inspired by it. And I remember the first thing I said to Mario was, oh, we can totally do this. We like watching her give birth and everything. I was like, oh, we got this, you know, and it was just so inspiring and magical and just everything. So, yeah, whenever it comes in, uh, when you guys bring up, bring it up, it's it's just lovely. And I'm just so grateful that she gave me that opportunity. I remember when she asked me, do you want to be present at my birth and encapsulate my placenta? And I thought, oh, my God. Yes. And I, I mean, it was like one of the craziest questions I was ever asked. Nobody had wow. ever asked me something like that. But I was. I was totally honored and I did it for her twice. And um, yeah. And I actually, I took like the, the cord and I made it into like a heart shape for her and I dehydrated that. And then I ended up like burying some of the other pieces of it. Um, mm. Like the, like the sack that you cut that away. Cause it's basically just like very tough membrane. Um, and I like buried it and I had kind of like a very ritualistic thing that I did with it, just like giving thanks and like kind of giving the blessing to her and the baby. And it was pretty beautiful. So, yeah. That is so beautiful. Wow. So what important. A- what That was possibly the most important information for the future generations of everything we talked about tonight. Yeah. On yeah. a recent episode of Crow, Triple Seven, I think it might be on the premium feed, but worth the price of admission, of course. They had a couple on and the woman had been told by the doctors that she was highly at risk to become pregnant again, that it would not go well because of this, that and the other thing. And she was 39. She'd already had a couple of children. She got pregnant again, had an at home birth, no cow pokes, nothing funny, no pharmaceuticals, no pain medicines, none of that. Also encapsulated and ate her placenta. 
reported that her child at the age of 39, what they tell you, you can't have kids at that age, right? was healthier, developed faster, and she recovered better on all levels. Both of them did a bazillion times better than the kids with hospital births. So yeah, uh, would love to get a full-on doula on the show and yes. discuss all this in depth. I'm sure that that would be really good information. Yes. You know, I've been super interested in the the occult elements, the magical side of what goes on with the placenta, that I see it as a spiritual double, that it shares your exact DNA and it is an etheric vessel in and of itself. And it could be the Gemini, the twin that is referred to in the sky clock, you know, before then cancer comes, the cut. <laughs> There's Ooh. a lot to that. So... That's interesting, man. I'd like to hear more about that at some point. Yeah, that's great. Go check out the episode from October of Interverse called Placenta Clips Apocalypse. (laughs) 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 We go at it, but it's a really good one on the uh, the esoteric side of it. You need the maybe the full two hours because interestingly, a lot of John the Baptist stuff comes up in the second hour. It's with me and Gabe and Chaney. Really good episode. Yeah, you would you would love it, Mario. It's you. You would definitely love it. Very cool. I'm going to check that out for sure. That's awesome. You know, now that we're on the topic of birth and all this stuff, one of the thoughts I had when we were talking about how, um, you know, men have cycles too. So then I thought maybe, you know, so if you're trying to conceive, is it something, would it be very important that you are figuring out like when is your partner, your man, your man's cycle? And what, you know, is there some correlation there? Would you, would you have a better chance of getting pregnant if you're in tune with both people's cycle? And so mm-hmm. how many people struggle with that? You know, how, how many times you hear, well, yeah, we've gone to fertility, you know, experts and we've done all this stuff. And, you know, no doubt like people's, you know, lifestyle affects those things. But I would wonder, I mean, I, I can't see that it would, um, you know, hurt trying to match your cycles up and, you know, getting yep. on the flow together. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Which might uh, be one of the reasons why they don't talk about men having cycles. <laughs> good point. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, for, I got to point out that it's kind of uh, poetic that uh, Rachel has left for her birthday and we saved the afterbirth for after she was gone. I just got to point that out. It's very dynamically appropriate. <laughs> nice, dude. I'm into it. Yeah, great point. Well, guys, let's head towards the wrap up. I mean, we could, you know, we're weaving spiders, so we're all keyed in for like five hour shifts. But I wanted to know, uh, Michelle, what would you put in? Uh, speaking of men's packages. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Can you go over? Can you go over the men's packages? And then, I mean, Gabriel, sorry, finish your thought, but that's an important, Chad. <laughs> that's it. I just, I just want more talk on on men's packages. Yeah. We need to think about men's packages, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's important. Oh my gosh, yeah. These packages need to be exposed to direct sunlight often. Yes, definitely. I got that health. in today for a long yeah. time. Well, uh, as I said, I'm still developing it. So I'm not 100% on what each remedy is going to be. But the pine pollen is going to be the first one 
for multiple reasons, just because it is one of the first things that appears in spring. And then the uh, dynamic ability it has to increase a man's testosterone. So when you think of a young man, you know, uh, their testosterone is most potent when they're younger. And then as a man ages, it, it sort of, it can, it, it dwindles just like with a woman, you know, your ability to maybe get pregnant or your moons, your cycles dwindle as you get older. So I think like having something that's very potent, like the pollen would be a really great first remedy. One of the first things that comes to my mind though, that I know I think will be, um, included is called Sassandra berry and that and any berry by the way you think of the balls men's balls berries so it's going to be something with berries going on for sure um and I'm really going to take some time to really meditate on it though and pine though uh pine is going to be incorporated I don't know if more than one way but um I think there's something really like very masculine about pine. I think there's, there's both energies in it, but I think pine has some, like a lot of potent masculine energy going on. So that's where I'm at with it right now, but you guys will be the first to know when I'm uh, closer, getting closer to releasing that. Cause I think there it's going to, yeah, I think a lot of people will be interested in it and it's going to, I think it could help a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> Perfect. Never change, Gabe. <laughs> Actually, change all the time, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice. This was great, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. It flew by. It did. Beautiful. Yes, I loved it. Yes, it did. You guys are a lot of fun. All right. Well, if, the, if we've covered off all the dangly chads and no one's got any closing thoughts, I will wrap <laughs> us up. Michelle, your energy, especially in the first hour where we really let you just go for it, was astounding. If there are ever topics that you want to bring to Interverse or Vibrant, just let me know what they are and we can prepare something. Uh, that, of course, goes for both of you two, Mario and Gabriel. <laughs> it goes without saying. But I am just so grateful for the tribe and everyone in the chat. You were fantastic tonight. Notice that there aren't trolls. There's no like combativeness in the chat. Everybody's just awesome and fired up. And this is the type of thing that I do it for to learn. I'm here to learn. And you brought a lot of wisdom tonight, Michelle. So good. And I'm feeling the gratitude big time. Life is awesome. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We are actually... I got some news. Uh, I'm taking Wednesday off next Wednesday. So Good no vibrant you. next Wednesday, unless for some reason I changed my mind, but there's almost, almost no way that I will. <laughs> oh. I have not taken a Wednesday off since I kicked off vibrant. So that's 39 Wednesdays in a row. I feel like, you know, it's okay to take one off. <laughs> I'll miss you all. Worst, there man. will be interverse episodes though, without interruption. They just don't have a regularly scheduled day. The next interverse coming out is with uh, Wayne McCroy Jr. And I had a conversation with him about his book, The Demic of Pan, about all the symbolism of mythology tied up in the pandemic. So in particular, Pan. And joining me for that conversation was our very own Joshua Donahue, a.k.a. 33 The Branch in uh, chats. So that was just an incredible romp through three hours of decoding and uh, biblical symbolism unveiled. And man, it's a good one. Can't wait to bring it to you guys. 
Watch out for that later this week. And um, while I'm announcing things, I also just had a conversation with Brian Stavely from the Dose of Reality Show about Mandela Effect. And would you believe it? I found a way to connect it all to Alconomics. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be a good one, too. That'll be the following week. Everybody, make sure to hit me up if you're interested in sound healing. I'm pretty booked up through the rest of May. So if there's something you want to get going, make sure you hit me up. Chance at interversepodcast.com or just look at my website. Find the sound healing tab or Oracle card reading tab under the shop there. Join us on Telegram. Thanks, everybody. Love you all. We'll see you next time. Much love, love, y'all. Have a great night. Thank you you again.